Hi, this is Dennis Kitchen. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I'm liking that. Yeah, it was all right? Yeah, you passed the mustard. Well, I, I don't want it to just pass the mustard. All right, so you... Well. That's it. It was strong and very strong. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was very good, as usual, oh. right? <laughs> all right. We'll get if you just want it to be passable, it's all good. No, we're back. Yeah, I think okay. phrase over here. No. Right? Studio trickery. The echo amplifies and extends, just like Viagra, and it will do you proud. Like Enzyte. Yes. Whatever happened to Enzite? What was his name? Bob. Bob. The palindrome. Yes. And all the ladies just loved Bob. I want to know whatever happened to Miguel. I don't know. But l- reflecting on that whole situation, you got to give him mad props to come to Brazil for two idiots that he didn't. Re- I mean, he knew us through text messages and, and emails and stuff. But he didn't really, and not to uproot yourself from Brazil, or was it Portugal? Uh, Portugal. 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 He, Wait, he you j- mean he flew from Portugal to somewhere to meet you? New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah. Yes. You didn't know that? No, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah. He, uh, back in, of course, the bullpen bulletins days, he would, he was, it was like, leaning on It was 2007. Us. Yeah. Like, don't be stupid. Go give them the business card. Like he was like really hammering. He brought he brought Phaser Irving over to 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 meet us face to face. Yep. Um, yeah, it was it was a wild weekend. It was yeah, a little was, scary. Yeah. Yeah, a little scary. And he had that lazy eye that he'd be looking at you, and you're like, "What's going on oh, over there?" Lazy like, eye. A little bit, just a little bit. <laughs> I gotta tell you, it's hard to ha- it's hard to be the head of marketing with a lazy eye. It's true. Or, you know, a cut against uh, against the grain. Yeah, but it was, I mean, I wish he reached out. I'm sure, I'm not sure. I'm hoping that he at least listens from time to time. Yeah, Miguel, if you hear this, shout us out. I should put his name in the show notes. You should. Yes. And they we do. Still have, we still have our old business cards with, with, with his name on it. Yes, with all that beautiful copyrighted art. Plastered. <laughs> Plastered. All that uh, McNiven copyrighted art on that. No, no, Bagley. No, uh, McNiven. You, said, you told me it was Bagley Spider-Man hands. Yeah, and on the other side was the McNiven roll call for Civil no, War. No, no, that was, no, the back side was, um, was white and light blue. And I, I know what you're, t- you're talking about, the Civil War image. Yeah, well, didn't we use that on a business card? No. Oh. We might have. No, no, no. We 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 just had the plain old black background with a bunch of webbing, bagley hands yes. with, with bullpen bulletins. Um, How about the flip phone that I designed with the Spider-Man webbing on the keypad? Shit, that was hot. That was hot. Bob, yeah, yeah. It was especially designed for the StarTac. <laughs> the Razor. <laughs> hey everybody, it's eleven o'clock comics episode six hundred and twenty-one, and I'm the nostalgic Vince B. And I am David A. Price. That's the facts, Jack. And I am Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh, do I want to ask? I guess I have to. Why are you Billy Ray Cyrus? Because I'm going to take my horse to the Old Town Road. going to ride till I can't no more, Vince. Renee, she showed me that video with the emojis. (laughs) It's cute. 
Vince, you're, you're totally blank. Are you, are you not aware of, of, of Old Town Road, the song? Mm, no. It just set an all-time record for the most consecutive weeks at number one. Wow. Yeah, all- crazy, right? Talk we're about ta- a strange... Wait, uh, all-time record? record? Like beating all Elvis? Time. Yes. Wow. Broke, uh, it actually broke a Mariah Carey. She had the record for, she had a record for um, six, uh, 16 straight weeks at number one, and uh, Old Town Road just went to 17 weeks. That's some Lord. crazy. We live <laughs> it in is a-, a strange country rap mashup. The uh, main performer is a dude named Little Nas X, who is a uh, very uh, out and proud uh, rapper who likes to dress like a cowboy. And uh, and Billy Ray Cyrus is on it doing the uh, the bridge, and uh, yeah, it's 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 the hit of the summer. Yeah, that's amazing. It's a really weird song. Like if you hear it, you're gonna be like, "What the fuck?" But it's, it's true. <laughs> it's it's but it's it's needless to say, it didn't. It, it's just weirdly catchy. It's got that that it's got this this hook that Billy Ray Cyrus is. You just can't get it out of your head. And not, well, that's not necessarily a good thing, but you just can't escape it. Well, isn't it's that what we life. want? Don't we want pop songs that are anathema to regular pre-processed? Definitely, yeah. No, no, yeah. no. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, I can't say that it's a song I ever wanted to exist. But damn, damn, I got to tell you, the, the day doesn't go by where I can't. If, if like that, that, that bridge doesn't pop into my head, and I'm like, oh, so. no, I'm gonna have to Google this shit when we're done. But um, you are not, in fact, Billy Ray Cyrus. You are Jason Wood, everybody. And if you had a daughter, look like Miley, I'd be coming over a lot more. Right? Yeah. Man. So here we are. I got a feeling it's going to be a long one. So we're going to get You're this the only stuff. You're going to with my daughter, so. Okay. I'll go with that. Yeah. It's because it's the truth. I know. Yes. And you don't have to have a hot daughter to get your books inexpensively. All I got to do is shimmy on over to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. One more time, DCBService.com. And you'll get everything in the previews for a fraction of those teensy tiny prices listed next to each one the list of specials has been generated they're up and we're all the better for it i've plucked three of them for your ear holes the first from image comics series premiere a new ongoing series well it's not a new series but it's an ongoing series from one of our buddies mr michel fife it's copra the first issue of an all-new ongoing series by Michel Fifi picks up where the band of mercenary misfits left off, reintroducing the entire cast, very important for new readers, of this Suicide Squad-esque revenge machine in a brutal standoff against their own leader. Bum, bum, three ninety nine cover price. What are you taking it home for? $1.99. $1.99. Yep. Over at Dark Horse, they are serving up a four-issue miniseries called Count Crowley, Reluctant Monster Hunter, number one. Here's the rub. You got a TV uh, newscaster who's demoted to hosting the monster movie on the station, and she's not having it. But there's a missing predecessor and a mystery, and I looked at the art by Lucas Kettner. It's very nice. So it's only a four-issue miniseries written by David Dasmalkin. And, uh, again, you can have this for $1.99. Last but certainly not least, over at DC, it is a new series, a fantasy series, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, 
with art by Riccardo Federici, so you know it's going to be beautiful. It's called Last God. Hmm. And it's book one of the Fellspire Chronicles. And I'm looking through the prestige format DC catalog, doing my order, and I'm like, look at all this text. I don't want to read that. But, so you're doing a fantasy series. What's crucial to a fantasy series in your estimation? An image crucial to the fantasy series. What is it? Can I have a hint? It's the dragon. The map. You gotta have the map. Oh. You gotta have a map. Yeah, yes, sure. and right there in the lower right is the map. And I said, okay, you're introducing book one of something called the Fellspire Chronicles, and you're giving me a map with Ricardo Federici art. I'm in. Oof. I'm in. His, you also need a bag of holding. I think we can all agree. Yes, his Aquaman work was amazing. It was, son. Yep. So I'm in, and it's a cover price of three ninety nine, but smart people know where to go. Dollar ninety nine for you, DCBS customers. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order additions, and you get your book packed all nice and secure in a sturdy box, delivered right to your front door or back door. Right. Yeah. Now I I will. I will give you a pass on your dark horse pick. No, I didn't do it for a reason. That's fine. Um, I'll, uh, I'm dying to hear the reason, but I'll, so I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. But um, since you mentioned Copra, when I walked into the local comic shop yesterday, he has a um, a mini spin rack full of all the uh, the image firsts that uh that retail for a buck a pop and he had a couple of copies of copra there the first issue of uh the original run under the image banner and everything um so i uh, i don't know how many issues of everything he ordered but um there were only a couple of issues left of a few things so i'm hoping that having them right there by the door definitely um gets some some interest going especially for for a um for a book like Cobra and can't just give my local shop props. I have to take a minute to sing the praises of our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service, because last weekend I um, was cleaning up the uh, my little not my man cave, if you want to call it that, and um, went through. All my short boxes, pulling things out for um, for care packages, and I have I had a few boxes of just um, DCBS orders that were just as soon as I unbox them, I throw them in a box and and leave them be. Catalog some, but for the most part, just leave them there. So I wanted to put everything in order. So I'm cataloging everything, putting sets in order, um, all the death strokes, the um, the Flintstone, I mean, this is how far back it goes. And uh, just just any and everything, the the Black Panthers from from the whole Marvel Now imprint and, and just going through everything. For some reason, I can't find my Flintstones number one. I know it's in one of the boxes because I checked my order history. And yes, I did order it. So I have all 12 issues somewhere in this house. 11 of them are in this box next to me. But when I get to the Terrifics, I'm missing... Issue number four. And I'm like, okay, well, it's still got to be in the house somewhere. But let me just check the order history, make sure 
I'm not missing it. And I could freaking believe it. I never ordered the Terrifics number four. So I was also missing Little Bird number two for some reason. I have one, three, four, and five. Two, I have one, three, four, and five missing number two. So the other morning, I sent out an email and, you know, ask for if they may. I, said, I don't know if you might still have it. We have Little Bird number two. Great. I'd love to add it to, to, to my next order. And just for the hell of it, while I have you here, is there any way, if you could tell me, if you may have it in your back issue stock, Terrifics number four. So Little Bird number two, no problem. It's going to be on your next order. You'll get it. Great. Checked. Don't have Terrifics number four. I was like, all right, now I know what I'm looking for at New York Comic Con or Heroes next year or wherever. Or maybe I'll even check the back issues at, at the local guy. And um, like three hours later, I get another email from Carrie at DCBS saying, okay, we just went through everything in the back. I do have a copy of Terrifics number four. This is the price. It's going in your next box. So I just made my day. Yeah, they, they lost money my... on you. They did. Yeah. They lost yeah. money. All the they if they're looking for a copy of one <laughs> standard size comic book for like an hour or two or an hour or two, they lost money on you. But it's beautiful <laughs> that they do it. Yeah. I mean it's I great. Mean, it's, it's not I don't know if they stuffed everything you make it sound like, you know, no, but, it's, but still it's, yeah, they no, had to invest some time in it. Yeah, I mean, if someone came across it, or if, if you know, maybe they pulled it out of some, I, but nevertheless. So, um, so yeah, and and um, and for the price, it it um, would have cost me new ordering it that month. So, all right, yes, yeah. super win, win, win. Yeah, the reason why I'm not pimping the Grendel Devil's Odyssey is because inevitably. We're going to talk about every issue as it comes out. <laughs> That's what I, I said. I'm going to make a little bit of room for something different because we're going to be hammering. It's an eight-issue series. We're going to be talking about every one of them. And um, I'm not ordering it in singles. And we'll talk to Matt in two months. Yeah. So I think it comes out that Wednesday before New York Comic Con's weekend. Nice. I think that first issue drops. And... Um, and yeah, chances are I am going to also. Um, it was in my previous video, but I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I don't think, even though it's not it's neither of the original creative team, but chances are I'll be getting the um, the mask book as well. Sure. If they said, "Hey, special mage backup only available in the single issues," hot damn, I'm getting the single <laughs> issues, right? But right, right. because uh, I want a more durable. Uh, product because i'm going to be reading it more than once judging by the preview art that's in um, man it looks good doesn't it, it? looks good I, wow I, I i i love you for it but i i have a short box full of wagner and, and there's no way in hell i'm not getting the single issues there I you just, go it, it's got to go i mean i have i have most not all i have most of the kamiko run and i have all of the dark horse reprints and i can't not get the um yeah well as jason likes to chide me uh i i frequently reread things 
Sure. So I'm not searching through boxes for the single issues. It's well, no, that's why I mark all my boxes. But yeah, no, and 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 trust me, if I chances are, there will um, there will be space for it on my bookshelf for the for the hardcover. But unlike yourself, I don't box things in groups. Like if I'm bagging and I have an issue of action here and an issue of Batman here and eleven rockets there, I'll I won't collate them one two three four five six i'll just bag them as they come in the stack and i put them in the well, box yeah, and then i label the box in the database but still right. for to get eight issues chances of all eight being in the same box are is is astronomical so then i gotta go move in many many boxes to get that box that has issue three you know what i mean so it's no. just more convenient you to yourself before you open one up and say what's in the box no <laughs> But but doing that, Vince got me into the trouble I got in with the terrific. So and also the way I have the boxes in the closet, there are some boxes that I have the whole Green Arrow run, the whole the Losers run, the the Kessel Harley Quinn. I have, and then I have another box with with the Sweet Tooth and the Madame Zana do no the the Sweet Tooth and the Eye Zombie that 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 I'm still missing a couple issues from. So I have. I have some boxes that are easy to get to because I know I need to access them when it comes to con season. But there are some boxes where, like the Wagner box, now that Mage wrapped up, if he hadn't announced Grendel, that that box would have been a little further down on the on the stack. But with Grendel coming out, I'm not going to go digging through boxes now. I just know I need to rearrange the boxes so that the Grendel will go in there when it when it comes out. Right, right. Enough process. What yeah. are we What are we drinking? You still got yingling? Um, no. I have a thank you to coincide with... Oh, son of a bitch! Ha ha. I have a thank you to coincide with the drink roll call. And it is, of course, our good buddy Darren sent us the next iteration of the gigantic Hellboy-themed beer. And this is Abe Sapien Indigo Blue Beer. Can't wait to look at it. Now, is it blue? Uh, it's it, yes. There's a dye in in it that you can't really tell in the bottle. I don't think. So, no, I couldn't tell. I mean, I I got the bottle, but I I don't I didn't open yeah. it yet. So. Well, but I'm not can... I'm not foo foo enough to pour my beer in a glass, so I can't there, tell. Well, normally, I wouldn't be either, but because no, it's it, called Indigo Blue, I would be tempted to to see if it's blue. There is a dye. There is a dye involved. So Neat. yes, and yeah. it is by far the best tasting. Of the gigantic Hellboy Bruce to date, it is okay. very very tasty. And the last one was really good too. So I'm um, yeah yeah I'm, no, this is better than the what was the last one? Lee Sherman. Yes, no, uh, Johan. Yes, Johan was the last. Johan one? was the citrus wit, which yeah. I enjoyed. This is way better. Okay, it's I'm hoppy not, as hell too. Yes, I saw that it did oh, not the hops, but I I've I've kind of had a. I've been a trash this week, so I, I'm I'm glad I left the beer downstairs because I probably wouldn't have helped my mood. But yeah, I will definitely be having it next week. So thank you so much, Darren. Yes, and I'm rounding it off with um, the other beer. <laughs> the other one, yeah. The other one, yes. The beer shall not be named. Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Dap, what are you drinking? Um. I am having Zappa Malbec limited edition from 2015 uh, Mendoza 
Argentina. It is um, it's it's not bad. It's my first time having it. Um, you gotta be shitting me. The thing's called Zappa. Well, it's just one P. Oh, but yeah, Z A P because uh, it's named after the tool to um that uh they they use to dig the uh the trenches for the for the vines for the water to to get to the vines um but yes it is it it is it's pretty tasty it is a it's very dark not very dark but it's it's a nice dark red and um i will be finishing this with some uh soda stream seltzer later on nice all right let's talk about the comics right is Jason going to tell us what he's drinking? Oh, he's, all right. What are you drinking, Jason? God damn. He's <laughs> drinking water. Dude, see, it's, it's, this is bitter. You're going to feel like you're going to feel the fool now. No, probably not. That's why I did it because I knew you weren't drinking water. Because you alluded, oh, nice. you alluded yes, to that. That's right. Yes. I, I set yes. you up, my friend. I, uh, yes, I, it, it just felt like switching it up. Been a very good boy this last few months, as you know, much to the, uh, Dismay of those who love to drink roll call and are tired of me talking about water. So, I uh, I'm taking a little little uh, treat night, if you will, and I'm having a nice big pour, probably about two normal wine glasses full of uh, Santa Julia Reserve Malbec, uh, one of our go-to house wines. It's an Ar- Argentinian Malbec, 2017 vintage. Vince, I know you want to know how the mouthfeel is, so I will tell you. It's got dry, crisp plum and berry aroma. Very clean opening, pepper, dark plum, blackberry flavors. I love a clean beautiful, opening. Got a beautiful fresh finish. I know you love a fresh finish. <laughs> I do. So. Yep. Map of the Philippines. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's beautiful. It sounds great. Yes. Not hitting that kid neither. Let's get into it. We got lots to talk about. Um, do you want to get it out of the way first? Because that's been the trend past couple episodes. Who are you asking? I mean, I'm I, asking I, I, you who, because you're going to be the mouth. Who's gonna... No, I'm not. No, I told. No, you got to review it then. I, I I don't even have it with me. I don't. I, <sighs> I'm happy to talk about it, but I'm not about to doing the 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 page by page review. Well, we don't have to do a page by page. Okay. Because okay. House of X number two was yes. released this past Wednesday. Um, you know the the roll call already. Uh, Hickman mm-hmm. and Pepe Larraz okay. and uh, what is it? Uh, Gracia. Yes. And mm-hmm. uh, we get a little bit deeper into the character of Moira McTaggart. Is her. And, and, <laughs> and, and I do believe that Mr. Hickman has made a significant blunder. <laughs> I'm, let's, we'll say. Incorrect, sir. No, no, because he has um, revamped her mutant power. Oh, wait, time out. No, no. She, he gave her a mutant power. She was never a mutant. Yeah. That's the he made was. her a mutant. I did not think she was. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, he bestowed upon her a mutant power, and, what, uh, and her power in question is reincarnation. So she gets the luxury of um, being born reaching an age where her mutant power blossoms. And from that age on, should she die, she is returned. Her essence or her soul, if you want to call it that, is returned. All memories intact from her previous incarnation into her original mother's womb. 
And this is where I have the problem. Because Jason was like, dude, it's Groundhog Day. And I get it. I know it's Groundhog Day. But we didn't ask these questions while watching Groundhog Day because it's Bill Murray and you're just supposed to lean back and go with it. But this creates a lot of problems for continuity, for the Marvel Universe as a whole. Because, all right, here's the scenario. So Myra McTaggart dies. And she's sent back to the womb. What happens? What occurs when this mechanic kicks in? Does it create a divergent timeline? Mm -hmm. Which we know Hickman is fond of, playing around with divergent timelines. Okay, that's cool. Or does it completely reboot the Marvel Universe to the point where, the point of her conception? I'm not, sh I'm not confident in saying that it reboots the Marvel Universe, because under this new mechanic, right, say McTaggart lives to be 73 and she's killed or she just dies of whatever natural causes or something and she gets shunted back to the womb. The Marvel Universe has a history of from the has an extended history of 73 years. Mm hmm. Right in so, that timeline, that so, in, so yes, so in that timeline, seventy three. So the seventy fourth year to seventy fifth year, that Marvel timeline continues without her being alive in it. Correct. But you don't know. Continues. You don't know that. You don't know that. That's the why, whole problem. Why would it stop? Why would it continue? She's the. She's Just because the, she's not in it doesn't mean it would stop. Right. But she's the one that created it. She's the, the butterfly she's, effect. There are infinite universes created by every decision that goes differently. Well, yes. But I'm talking about in comics, right? If she's the... Well, the, in, in comics, she's rebooting the universe. Like, we are currently in her 10th life. The current 616 that we're reading comics about is, is, is her 10th incarnation. And she gets to go back and relive her life, fixing old mistakes, making new ones, mm -hmm. building new bridges, burning other ones. Um, and in this issue, uh, I thought it was pretty cool the way they have... The way Hickman has her... Um, being at first enamored with Charlie and then not so much in another lifetime. There's a lifetime where she is an assassin that goes picking off the Trask family, the bloodline. Um, there's an, another timeline where uh, Magneto is defeated by the assembled heroes of the Marvel Universe. My favorite timeline is she becomes Apocalypse's lady friend. And um, just because it was an opportunity she didn't have in other iterations. Like, there was no real reason why she snuggled up to Apocalypse only because she hadn't done it before. So, I mean, I think it's, it's as a storytelling device, it's cool. But it, it just raises too many questions. Like we said, you do, we don't know for sure that those universes don't blink out of existence without her being there. I mean, she's the reason for them to be. Wouldn't it make sense that without her presence, the thing that generated this universe in the first place, why would it continue? I mean, there's as many arguments for why it would as why it wouldn't. Well, let, let's, okay, let, let's keep a couple things in mind. One, this is the second issue of the series. Mm -hmm. so Maybe he has an answer in mind, but more likely... I would ask, why does it matter? 
because we're comic fans and we have to know these things. These things but are do we though? These Isn't things he are important. A statement of how we have come to accept that these universes, both Marvel and DC, get rebooted sometimes majorly, sometimes in minor ways, and we just go with it. So the possibility of getting a miniseries under the masthead McTaggart thirteen or McTaggart forty seven is not outside the realm of possibility. Like say there's a timeline where she becomes the leader of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and it's very cool and fan response is amazing. You mean to tell me Marvel's not going to release a book called something along the lines of M13 or M27 the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants like it's going to happen. This I mean it's as a storytelling device it's very it's ripe for possibilities which I love. But there's a right. part of me that sees this and says, well, there's so many uncertain things here. I would like to know. And and because it is Hickman, chances are more good than not that he mm-hmm. will explain this somewhere down the line. But another thing. Mm-hmm. So she is a mutant, but she doesn't have any kind of healing factor. She doesn't have the longevity of Wolverine. She She has a finite existence based on what she would have been had she not been a mutant. Because, you know, she doesn't, she ages just like a human, but she's a mutant, right? So this limits the possibilities because then, say she lives to be 100 or 110, he's going to have to write something where human life was extended by 100 years. Because the Marvel Universe, in each one of her incarnations, is only around for, well, in theory, is only around for the duration of her being there. Yeah, I guess that's where I'm, I'm not sure why you've come to that conclusion because that doesn't make sense. Like, I, I take it to be like Groundhog Day. She, she, when she dies in her universe, it she gets to go back and relive another life with her knowledge and that creates another dimension. But it's not like the Marvel Universe that she was in just ceases to exist. It continues you- on. And 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 you make it sound as though when she's born is when the Marvel Universe begins. She doesn't create it. The Fantastic Four. No, that's where it splits. And she did, she didn't create the universe. Well, I, yeah, but there's right, and there's many, many, many places where these universes split. I mean, Hickman spent what four years doing this with Avengers, right? I right, mean, there were yeah. literally infinite number of universes, Which and and they just kept crashing into each other and destroying each other until there was only one. And our heroes, quote unquote heroes, had to make the hard choice of actually actively destroying other Earths to keep our Earth in existence. Right. And uh, so, yeah, I like I, I see what you're saying. Like time travel, uh, uh, not time travel, but uh, alternate dimensions can always get messy. Well, it but is time this, travel too. Yeah, but this isn't this isn't like new ground, right? I mean, this is kind of at the center of something we've always accepted about Marvel and DC. But this is nth degree. This is alternate universe on steroids i mean creatively this is a god like no i was gonna say it's a godsend but think about the exiles right like or or elseworlds i mean there are universes we had a comic called mutant x where havoc was shunted to a universe where storm was a vampire and 
Yeah. There was, you know, and then Storm Vampire ended up coming to our universe. I'm just saying, like, I, like there's extreme, oh, there's universes beast. where yeah. everybody is a Hulk, right? And there's universes where everybody's a Venom symbiote. There's the Marvel Zombies universe where everybody's a zombie. Like, it's not, like, those are more extreme. Like, it's just, she just happens to be, because of the fact that she can relive her life, just happens to be, like, a, a notable catalyst in 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 explaining and I think this is Hickman's attempt to explain the Fakakta way that the X-Men universe has been rebooted at times. Right. And 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 trying to make sense of it. But I, I would actually be surprised if, if this is a tremendously big point beyond this. But maybe I'm wrong. I think it's it's you know, to get giddy and, and fanboyish, I think it's super cool. And mm-hmm. and like I said, in, in creative terms, it's a godsend because anything's possible now. Sure. I mean, it always was, but to focus on this one character within this now limited X universe, the possibilities are, in fact, endless. But you may have thought on the Slack that I was poo-pooing it. I think it's a great idea. Mm. I just need to know my boundaries. I need to know the parameters of this thing. Right. I got you. I got you. And Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm like in Hickman we trust. Because I think you can, like you're saying, he didn't do this just to, I can't see he, I don't think he did this just thought I'm going to randomly make, make this part of the book. Right. Because so I do think we'll get some kind of resolution. Now it may not be the resolution that ultimately satisfies you or others or me, but it, I think we'll get his, his view on it. Um, before we go on, I will say this definitely, if anyone had any question about whether you needed to be reading both house of X and powers of 10, you definitely do because yeah. this basically picks up literally from one of the last scenes of powers of 10, number one. So, yeah, but I mean, let's be honest, this is not a mutant power that he's given her. I mean, when well, no, 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 because destiny tells her if you are killed before you are 13, you will never you're not coming back. You're right. not. You're not right because life. you haven't reached puberty, and your mutant power right. hasn't. Case- so it is a mutant exactly. power. Yes. Yeah. But don't you think this is incredibly powerful for a mutant ability? This is a Frank godlike. Richards is a mutant, and he 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 is arguably the most powerful yeah. being ever. Yeah. So did I? Don't remember. Did he list McTaggart as an Omega? No. 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 But but um, but Jamie Braddock and Franklin Richards Powerhouse, they're they're Omega level reality manipulators. So I, you know, I guess it stands. I guess Wait, it, is it Jamie or is it or is it um, uh, it's Legion? His brother, his brother, right? Well, Jamie Braddock is is but it, oh, I'm, I'm J- trying to remember yeah. who was the reality manipulator. Is it Legion or is it? It must be Legion because didn't he kick off um, Age oh, of X? Pro- Age of X Men. Yeah, Pro- Proteus is in there too. I think too, right? She's, he's listed too. But yeah, but I mean, now the more I think about it, we all do it. As you said, we all create divergent reality. So she's not doing anything that we don't do without the luxury of being reborn and having a chance to do it all again. I mean, the timeline splits ad infinitum whenever we do something. So, yeah, I think think it's cool. And I don't think she, unless I, I missed it, I don't think she ever commits suicide to kick off another timeline or she 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 either gets killed or dies of congestive heart failure and a sentinel attack and a plane crash so yeah i don't think i don't think she ever ends her life so that because she doesn't like this one and and something better is the next time she she just lives her life the way she would live her life in that time like carrying on those memories like like when she meets charles for the second time but um 
Yeah, I think if, um, I mean, it's it's again, it, it's there's no point in saying it. It's it's a gorgeous looking book. Um, I think I don't know if I'm there's there's definitely some rereadability I think in this issue, but I don't know if I enjoyed it more than the first issue. I probably enjoyed it more than, than Powers of Ten number one, but I don't know if I enjoyed it more than House of X number one. And um, I also, the full disclosure, I was not really in the right frame of mind to read anything <laughs> I enjoyed yesterday. So right, right. Um, it, it hopefully that didn't color my opinion of it. I still, I think part of me is okay. This is this is a this is one part of, for all intents and purposes, a 12-part story. And we're focusing on, of all characters, Moira McTaggart. And not to say that she's not important to X-Men or to Charles, but I'm like, I, I guess I kind of... And, and again, like you said, Jason, and Hickman we trust. So if, if he's doing, if he's devoting so many pages to this character, then yes, that, that isn't because he's looking for pages to fill. There, there is a reason... I just, I think part of it, I was just a little taken aback because I'm like, this is a lot of Moira for, 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 for something that is supposed to be a very important step in, in the X-Men lore for Marvel. And don't you um, think it's huge? She has the ability to, she has the ability to fix everything, which is it's. And again, I mean, so if there's any, if there was any doubt, for anybody reading the the reading list, the reading order, and going, well, okay, the second issue is supposed to be, you know, an oh shit moment, and and they read this, and yeah, I, I think from from what everybody says, this this is worthy of of that red mark in the reading order, and um, and that's unfortunately, I got to because the series. They are now, as of last night. I, I didn't pre-order the either series initially, so when I got to the shop, he only had one copy left, and yay for me. But and and you know, depending on if anybody's out there and willing to trade, I ended up with the variant with the um, by uh, Sarah Pacelli. It's um, it's the character cover of, of storm. So luckily I won't be looking at the cover too often, but it's, wow. I, I <laughs> but it, it's, um, what is storm? I, it, right. Vince hears me, but we, um, but no, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's a solid issue. It's, 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 it's a fantastic issue. Um, there isn't, um, you're not, you're not getting, I mean, yeah, there are a couple panels, of um of x-men and there are some fantastic moments with um moira and uh and the brotherhood of evil mutants um and then of course there's the uh the two pages where where she's the assassin it's it's just there's there's a lot to take in there's a lot of reading to do in this issue it's it's and and pepe still does an, an amazing job of of telling hickman's story in this issue um but but for me the the um the few pages the two four six pages I'm getting lost in are um are the timeline the the 
the infograph with, with the divergent timelines that I could just, I wish there was more info on it, but, but I love the breakdown of it. It's, it's, it's pure Hickman, but it, it's, um, and, and Pepe can draw one hell of a Moira. Yeah. I, it's, uh, for me, this issue gave me more food for thought than the other two issues combined. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I don't disagree with that. I can. I can definitely understand that. I, you know, you close the cover and you're like, "Wow, that was great!" And and there there was the the uh, extra bits that Hickman has been seasoning these stories with is is food uh, more food for thought. But the concept of a character being able to rework the universe over and over and over and over again, like that, I think creatively, artistically, conceptually, that's massive. And and I want to see that exploited to the nth degree. I mean, that's a that's an awesome power to have. And I, you said it offhandedly, but we will see a time when she takes her own life. Just well, we'll see. Just to, just to reboot it. I don't know. No, I, no, because, no, because this is she. She has this is it, man. Have eleven lives. Yeah. Well, this is it for this story. No, 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 no. Life. no, destiny, destiny. That's the whole point of that scene. Destiny tells her, Hey, listen, you know, I, I can see the future. I'm going to be watching you and you've got 10 lives, 11. If you make the right, all the right decisions. Well, how do you know Destiny's not lying? Why would destiny lie? Well, that's Why wouldn't would destiny be lie? No. What would be the point of that? Why would she like, what would be the point of that's the upper hand right there. And then they kill her right then and there. So it's like, what it's... would be the point of Hickman putting that in? Like that doesn't, no, it doesn't. But again, why give a character this kind of potential and limit it to eleven? Because it's it's well, it's, it's the same way they they did it with the doctor. Where it's like, oh, you only have thirteen regenerations. Yeah, yeah, it's the same and, reason they put the quote unquote mental dampeners on Franklin Richards because at some point they thought, well, God, I mean, he's pretty much a god; he can just do whatever he wants. So let, that wouldn't be very interesting. So let's and now right? there's there's actual you know you you you're, you're concerned now because if if she goes out on a mission with someone and she doesn't come back, well, then that's it. That like there's no there's not going to be another timeline kicked off by her being in the womb. There's yeah, I totally this, glossed over that, that limited um, regeneration thing. Yep. There you go. Yeah. That, Did you guys see there was a bunch of typos? Yeah. Including one, a big one. I mean, well, the, Hickman called it a big one. I don't, it, I, because in the timeline, it says that uh, it, 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 in the, in the timeline, it says that, m- the the Genosian genocide took place uh, before Mora, quote unquote, killed herself, fake killed herself, and that's not correct. And Hickman switched them in his d- data. He meant to have it the other way, so he came out and corrected that. And then there are some actual legitimate typos in there too. But but uh, that's the only one that's content mistake. Hmm. It was well, neat. There have been a been a couple of typos then throughout the series. Yeah, he said the first issue had none, Power of X had two, and this one had three, so. Well, Pobody's nerfect. <laughs> so. Apparently, when he was talking about the uh, flowers, he ha- he mixed up his own alphabet. Oh, shoot, really? The, gateways, the symbol above the gateway's flower is the H, and the symbol above the habitat flower is the G. 
which is funny. I love the fact that people are, are cracking the code and, and yeah, put, yeah, I know putting yeah, the time into it. Yeah, I have no desire at all to do that. No, I mean I I'm interested in it, but I'm I'm much more interested in someone else deciphering it, and then I can read about what they yep. decipher. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the Kryptonian language in DC's books. Thanks for giving me this handy dandy key so I can tell what yes. what the characters are saying. But I would never have gone through. Yeah, I love ciphers, but yeah, I don't know if I enjoy puzzles to the degree of of figuring things out but when it comes to whole alphabets things like that it's it's it can be a bit much because these days you know someone sooner or later is going to crack it so do all the work for me thank you very much here's a cookie that's right <laughs> you love your cookies i do love cookies cookies all right so i mean that was a rather limited look at this but <laughs> we've been we've been doing our we've been giving uh hickman props for like three episodes now so yep. may- maybe, just maybe, next episode you won't hear anything about uh, an expert. <laughs> we'll see. Unless yeah. unless he blows up the joint, which could be very yeah, possible. Maybe, maybe Powers of 10 number 2 is going to be that, that dope scene. You never know. So what else do we have to talk about, my friends? We got another big collabo, do we not? Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. Let me get this here. No, uh, remind me. Did you read Upgrade Soul, Vince? I have it, but I haven't read it. Right, so I thought, okay. Yeah. Yes. No, I, I haven't finished it. Oh, you haven't? No, it's still right, it, and it's sitting right here. It's right here on my desk right here. Because um, I had, in my mind, thought you had read it before I did. No, I started reading it before you did, and then and then we went to um, New York, and then you ended up getting the copy, even... Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm... I'm about maybe halfway through it and i don't huh. i don't know why i put it down and and what else was going on in my that, life that, that there's nothing more about you that fascinates me than that i talked about that what a week or two ago yes that your, your ability to just move on to other stories like mid-story not because you hated something just because you that's just 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 <laughs> so i just my my, my, my my genetic code does not allow for that yeah same <laughs> I just cannot do yeah that. i can't move on yeah same and if and if I do move on through whatever reason, maybe you know an obligation or just didn't have the time, I'll go back and restart it. Oh, exactly. No, yeah. Same, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. But um, uh, Jason, the reason why I read this book before Upgrade Soul was because this book was illustrated by Ben Passmore, mm-hmm. and if you remember, I talked about his uh, miniseries Dayglow A Hole. Oh, that's where I know a while the name back. From. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I was like, yes. okay, I know this guy. Yes. I'll jump into this. Um, and it was towards the top of the stack where Upgrade Soul has now worked its way very, very low, be- just because of the new arrivals getting put on top. But anyway, we are talking, of course, about bottom feeders. That's B T T M F D R S, written by Ezra Clayton Daniels, illustrated by Ben Passmore. And it is published by Fantagraphics. A nice little small form factor hardcover. Mm. Little size, big punch. So, um, Jason, you want to tell them what it's about? (laughs) Or try to tell them what it's about? Not that it's beyond your ability to do so, but there's a lot of things going on in this book. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I was. This is a book that was very dangerously close to being something where I had such massive expectations for it, because of my absolute adoration for Upgrade Soul, that it could have been a letdown. Like it, 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 I, I had built it up enough that 
I could have seen that happening. Uh, fortunately, they that wasn't the case. They stuck the landing. Um, but yeah, it's 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 Chicago in a relatively near future, and our protagonist is um, an aspiring artist. She move is is in the process of moving into a renovated building. Uh, in the what they call the bottom yards, which is essentially the new hood in this future. Um, it's a building that was bought by an older white gentleman, and, and I bring up his race because all of the, the race mat- very much matters in this book, um, as an investment, and he's trying to gentrify. He's, he's counting on gentrification, which is not... Uh, a, it's a very common thing. It's a very real thing. Just if you don't believe me, then go back and look at what you could have paid for a uh, a townhouse in Brooklyn 20 years ago and see how much it costs now. <laughs> I mean, if you talk about crazy, uh, anyway, but, um, so she's moving in. She's, 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 you know, again, an aspiring artist. She does not, uh, have a ton of money because of that. Although we find out that her, she was, uh, from privilege. Her father is, uh, her father's quite successful and he, he, he's somewhat dismissive of her aspirations to be an artist. And, uh, is also willing to support her to an extent, but she doesn't want to take his support when, if she can avoid it. Um, and uh, yeah, so so on one hand, it's it's a story about gentrification, uh, but on the other hand, and this is where Passmore really shines, and where the story gets interesting, it's also a horror book, and very much a a, a body horror book where there are things going on in this building. And over the course of the graphic novel, we learn about the history of the building, and eventually do, in fact, learn what it actually is. This creature, but 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 during the initial stages of this book, as she's moving in, it's a creepy place. It's a big empty building. It's old. It's it's got no windows. So there's a lot, a lot of creepiness going on. Her neighbors appear creepy to her. Uh, in fact, one of the neighbors is standing at the stairs in the dark and 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 dressed like an evil pilgrim. Um, it turns out he's actually a, a, a rapper. Who whose gimmick is to be a pilgrim, which I love to death, and they end up having a bit of a of a of a, of a soiree. She's a, another character in the book is a um, I can't think of her name offhand, but maybe you guys remember. Uh, but but her her bestie, Cynthia. who is a Cynthia. Thank you. She's she's a a white girl, also an aspiring artist. Um, she's kind of supposed to move in with her, but then she hasn't committed, <laughs> and she's essentially. Uh, Ezra Clayton Daniels' proxy for the woke white person in society today, the 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 one that's that's almost goes out of their way to um, be enamored or 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 apologetic for the plight of minorities, even though they really haven't had to live that life. Um, and he's pretty hard on that that archetype. In this book, I, I think, which we'll probably get into, I think he's, he's he has strong criticism of that type of person uh, in this book, which I found interesting. But uh, but in any event, um, she moves in, she starts dating her neighbor. Um, all the while, crazy shit's happening. There's strange sounds in the building. Uh, she she goes to her toilet and her and and this this gigantic almost looks like entrails push up out of the toilet and and she thinks just it's some kind of really bad septic backup but it's it looks like entrails and um it goes on from there and 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 it's it's very much there's a living entity inside the building that uh that is is a both 
a physical manifestation and that it's it, it, it absorbs and takes on organic material and absorbs people and um, is its own fighting for its own life and existence. But at the same point in time, it's also very much an allegory um, uh, and a proxy for uh, the criticism of what it means to be a bottom feeder, what it means to be gentrified and the price that comes with that and losing one's own culture and, um, and, and, and forgetting oneself and, 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 and kind of obsolescence for the price of, of, of progress. Um, so the book is, is a horror book, but it's a horror book that's meant to serve as a biting critique of a lot of the, the, the things going on today with, uh, urban renewal. Um, she also has a boss who is, uh, this this white uptown woman who at first is super dismissive of the area, but then she thinks it's cool, and then she goes and sees it, and she's suddenly talking about maybe getting a pied de terre there where she can have they can have uh, out of town business people come and stay there just to get a quote unquote feel of what it's really like to be in Chicago, uh, an urban feel. So again, you know, criticism of of a, of an archetype like the kind of people that are from privilege, but. Um, have decided suddenly it's cool to go and eat at a restaurant in Harlem or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, so a lot, you know, they're, they're, I think they're trying to accomplish a lot in this book. Um, I think for the most part, they're successful. If I had to juxtapose it against upgrade soul is, I guess the only one who has finished that book. Uh, while that was at its heart, the same thing, it was a, it was a critique of a lot of the things that we hold dear in our society. I thought it was a little more polished in the sense that it wasn't as on the nose um, but this book is very different, as you said, Vince, because in this book, Passmore draws it and his cartooning style is such that it's, it almost makes the horrific nature of this book less horrific to me. Um, it, it it's, it's a, almost like, to me, he, he kind of looks like Chris Schweitzer a little bit to me at some points. Um, so it, it, I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't find the body horror horrifying, if that makes sense. Like I personally, visually, it didn't. It 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 kept its distance for me a little bit because of the way that his cartooning is. It it wasn't off-putting enough. It wasn't like a Junji Ito book, where the creature. If this were a Junji Ito book, like the creature would be horrifying. You'd have nightmares about it, right? Yeah. I I didn't get that in this, but I don't think it's necessarily. A, a, it doesn't suffer from that because I do think, at the end of the day, it's a book about the more about the message of of being a bottom feeder and, 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 and gentrification than it is about being a horror book. So you two speak on it because, I mean, I, you could be told, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree. I have no idea if you see it the same way I do. Um, I think it's a book full of hypocrites. Sure, yeah, well, I, that's, I agree. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, Darla throws some shade at her, her white friend because – she comes from a she's a trust fund kid and here Darla's father's paying for she's paying her way you know yeah. and and they almost break up their friendship over it um and to the point where she said you know back in school when everybody was calling you that that n word i felt really bad and Darla said well you know well why didn't why didn't you say anything why don't you you know stick up for it because you you revel in the in the benefits of white supremacy and and here's me on the other side taking the brunt on all this you know what fuck you um this is it and they split but she, i mean she still has concerns for her friend once the the yeah. uh 
she's appropriated by the organism. And I think that's really mm-hmm. important in this mm-hmm. book that mm-hmm. Chucky calls the organism a symbiote. It's it's not a monster. It's a collection of different organisms all joined together. And and one of the concerns with this book is is cultural appropriation. Yes, thank you. That, right. that is the other point. Yes, exactly. And it's not just about gentrification. Yeah, that that's exactly right. Right. Where well said. Yeah. Um, Julio is is Latino, but he raps under this surname of Plymouth Rock. And, and, <laughs> and, and no, I think that's that's, yeah. that's freaking brilliant. And and he wears uh, pilgrim specific clothing, like the hat and the the, the clothes and. I'm not an unfeeling person at all, but when the subject is cultural appropriation, I got no time for that. I, I have no no sympathy. I think concerns over cultural appropriation are laughable. Everything is appropriated in this world. Inspiration itself is appropriation. All inspiration is appropriation, where you look at a piece of art or a song or a movie or a, 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 a dish of, of food or a, a style of clothing, the whole world is a global village. We're a global society. Concerns about cultural appropriation are you can't do anything about it. If you say something, if you write something, if you draw a picture, record a, a piece of music and you put it out in the world, it's not yours anymore. Mm-hmm. And you may own it, you may have the copyright on it, which is great, but you can't truly own a language or a style of dress or a type of food. Everything gets appropriated by other people, not within that culture that originated whatever it was that was appropriated, right? That's why I think the monster in this is brilliant because it's a collection of disparate image. Uh, organisms all bonded together working in tandem like isn't that the goal in this this world aren't we supposed to at least recognize and respect other cultures and bring them into the fold and work as one single unit other than like oh that's them and this is us there is no them and us we're one organism Human mankind is one organism. Whatever the color, wherever you live, whatever language you speak, it's one freaking organism spread out over the whole surface of this goddamn globe. So this monster, I think, the fact that, and it's very, very specific in the text, they say it more than once, that it's a symbiote. That is really, really important to this book. Mm-hmm. Can, can I, I, I this, what you just said is, is fascinating to me, and I, it's an, it's an aspect of the conversation I didn't expect. Um, and I just need, I just want to clarify for the audience. Like when I, I actually generally agree with what you just said, mm-hmm. but I, I, but suffice to say, you recognize there are instances of what some would call cultural appropriation, which are definitively inappropriate, right? Like Yale and the blackface during Halloween. Like that's, that's like, make that's making fun of another culture. That's yeah, totally exactly. different. No, I just well because again, you know how people are. You made the statement of like you got no time for cultural appropriation, almost implying it doesn't exist. No, and I know exactly what you're saying. Right, that in the scheme of like like loving a culture or respecting a culture, you're inspired by that was maybe created by another culture. Exactly, and, and yeah, no, and I agree with you. Like, no, I, it's it's like, like all right, you see Flea playing bass, and you, sure. it's like oh yo, hey man, you can't play that. 
because that style of music is not from your culture. That was funk is a is a is a, a black thing. It was created by black people. You can't play that. Like what? No. Yeah. No. I mean. Y- this is a and and I guess it does speak to the timeliness of this graphic novel, which is to say, like what you're bringing up is a is a huge issue in the last few years, right? I mean, and what's interesting is um, I got to give credit to uh, Daryl and Julian and uh, Sean and Gil who do a, a podcast that doesn't come out that frequently, but when they do, it's it's called Culture Trapping, yeah, and it's basically for black dudes talking about black culture, basically, or like not black culture but culture, but from the aspect of you know. Uh, of of being black guys and uh i find it fascinating to listen to because they're all my friends but obviously i'm not a black guy so i I do find to hear often they will take they will take positions about the world that i don't have and i find it illuminating Uh, i'm sure david probably gets that all the time at home because renee being black i mean i'm sure she sees the world in a way that we don't see it um and you know you can you can try and understand that but you're still not going to see it the same way i bring it up because like what you're talking about with cultural appropriation i think the fascinating debate in the last few years is that Generally, in in until a few years ago, from the public persona, the uh, idea of cultural appropriation was generally reserved, in my opinion, for when white people co-opted things that were decidedly created or inspired by non-white culture and monetizing it. And uh, it can get sticky as to whether or not there's merit. I think it goes again case by case. But the last few years, you've seen people of color get accused of cultural appropriation. I think the most notable example is Bruno Mars. Which was absurd. Like Bruno Mars was eviscerated in a lot of circles for appropriating music, and that's cr- like that was crazy to me. Like I didn't understand it at all. Uh, Beyonce got ripped to shreds for a very public uh, photo shoot where she wore traditional Indian garb to an event. Um, you know, uh, Madonna got eviscerated for wearing Native American dress to an award show uh the vmas um you can go on and on but my point is is celebrities are being taken to task for these kinds of things and and in all of those examples i I just i was baffled that it became a thing because i think in all cases they were paying tribute and showing an adoration for those cultural touch points like you said they weren't doing it with any malice they weren't doing it to monetize it they were doing it because it was inspiring to them just like anything else inspires an artist so I'm generally with you. I just wanted to bring up the point that, like, we understand, like, that state – you made that blanket statement. And I didn't want people to be like, dude, like, we understand there are aspects of the idea of cultural appropriation which are inappropriate because right. generally they're rooted in some kind of racism. I guess, I guess I should have framed yeah. it around the fact that I'm specifically concerned with the art form. Yeah, no, I get it. Not, I, I, I'm not I, talking I about money. Know where like, you're coming from. Yeah, no. Right? I, I just yeah. – I, I, I don't have – very much time for it when someone will rail against a style of music not endemic to the culture of the person performing it. Like, that's ridiculous. There's influences everywhere on this planet. Um, look at the pr- proliferation of ethnic foods everywhere. There's a pizza place, a Chinese joint, um, you know, a Greek place everywhere. Now, are you going to go police that and say, you know, to the the proprietors of these restaurants, hey, are you Italian? Why are you serving pizza? You know what I mean? Like, you cannot control the influx of cultural influences in an art form. Food is an art form, right? Um, Music is an art form. These things, they seep in. And, and, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, and, and again, this is a this has always been a very 
hot button issue for me as someone who, as a white suburban kid, like many white suburban kids our age, grew up like mainly adoring black culture. You know, like sure. mu- like artistically. I mean, obviously, hip hop is the vast preponderance of the music that I love, and um, and and I think that to your point, like this is where I never really quite, I'm on the artistic side, I'm hundred percent with you. Like I never understood that. Cause if you study, if you've read hip hop family tree or you've watched any, any documentaries about the early stages of hip hop, I mean, it was born in New York because of the disco scene, you know, and, yep. and, and disco was, was a, was mainly a lot of white and, and a lot of black DJs were like inspired by that and wanted to have, you know, bring in their own roots and Jamaican roots and, and, and African roots and, and mix that into disco for, for black clubs and you know what I mean? Like, and then that became, and then people, so it just like all these things kind of weave in and out. I mean, you know, the, 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 I mean, Elvis was, you know, I mean, how many, how many black artists were inspired by Elvis and vice versa? Elvis was inspired by black. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Just, well, there would like, be no I, rock and roll without the blues. Yeah. And like the we, blues we is a black. Yeah. We talked about Bosco a few months ago, right? I mean, he hung out with Fab Five Freddy, who was one of the, you know, cover. I mean, like all of it is intertwined. I mean, you don't get any less hip hop than Andy Warhol, but you know, the New York scene, they were, they were absolutely concentric circles in that time. I mean, you know, like it was, it all was part of the same scene. So, um, I'm generally with you. Yeah. Right. No, but just, just to put a little bit of polish on it. Inspiration is appropriation, right? When you look at a piece of work, whatever it is, food, dress, um, sound, visual, whatever, and it inspires you. What does that mean? Inspiration is not pa- passive. It's, it's very, very active. So you're, you're taking something, that inspiration, that energy, that feeling of you, you look at this work by, or you listen to this work by John Coltrane, right? And you're like, hot damn. I, I love the energy in this thing. I'm going to try and get that kind of energy in my work. You're appropriating the thing that you found so fascinating or the thing that was in Coltrane's work that you found so fascinating, you're appropriating that, you're taking it and infusing your own work with it. It may not be the same notes. It may not be the same energy, but there's something there that you got from Coltrane and only Coltrane and you put that and and it led to something else that worms its way into your work. That's what I'm getting at. All inspiration is appropriation of of to to a greater or lesser degree, but it's still appropriation. So that's mm-hmm. why sure. I say you don't own anything. Uh, every, you look at a person across the street and you look at their style of dress and you're like, I like that. I'm going to try and 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 style my mode of dress along those lines or similar, right? So. That's that's what I mean. You cannot stop people from observing. You cannot stop people from appreciating or or being inspired by it. I'm not saying to take that style of dress and duplicate it and make money from it. That's I don't have any time for that shit either. But what I'm saying, I'm just getting into the the artistic side of it, the the creative side where everything in this world is appropriated. So it happens. There's, you cannot control it. That's where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying, you know, let's – those people that put the blackface on, that's just plain wrong, right? They're ridiculing yeah. another race based on this cultural stereotype. That's not anywhere near what I'm talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the graphic novel. Um, I, I just thought it was wonderful. 
it, there's a very atypical color style going on in here. The palette, yeah. mm -hmm. the palette's crazy as hell. Mixing pinks and yellows on some pages, purples and pinks on the other. You got um, greens and 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 mustards on some pages. It's just amazing. Um, the cartooning is brilliant. I thought the organism was appropriately disgusting. It, uh -huh, okay. It, yeah, it creeped me the hell out, uh, especially the one part, and it's very subtle, very um, underplayed, where the cable wire in the beginning is just peeking out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Through, like, and it's that's a living thing, but yep. you don't know it going into the book. You just see this crack in the page, and there's mm -hmm. a couple of tendrils, you know, peering down. You're like, I don't know what that is, but later on in the book. Gene, who's a skinflint and doesn't want to, you know, fix certain things and offers other things in 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 the stead of the thing that he's never going to fix. Like, oh, I can't do that you for you, but cable. I'll get, get you free cable, right? <laughs> so the, the cable's hooked up to a little TV in Darla's room, but because it's a living organism permeating this building, the organism has eyes everywhere. So as Darla is making the nasty with Julio, or after the fact, make it, she's done doing – they, they had sex. And Cynthia walks into the room, and Cynthia hears all of the things that Darla would never want her to hear. You know, about, yeah, I don't know why she's my friend. My dad said I should find new friends. She's a, she's a parasite, blah, blah, blah. You know, and so Cynthia is observing the reality of the situation through this cable hookup that's a, a living organism that's broadcasting live what's going on in another room that was i thought i find that the most chilling thing in this book that's like everyone's worst nightmare isn't it that's true yeah you know to be in the bathroom and having all of the internet see your nasty business going on like that is that's up there with the worst thing that can happen to a person um, you know, not taking into account like death of somebody. But I, I thought this, now this is the kind of graphic novel I love because it gives you a lot of fodder for the imagination, for how does this apply to the world in which we currently live. Like there's a lot of hot button topics in this. And it makes someone like me who's not particularly attuned to things like this it 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 takes it and it smushes it right into my face and it says recognize this is a problem mm -hmm. and these are the parameters of the problem let's let's in a sense talk about it or let's let's hash it out invaluable i thought this was great david you king i i i i did enjoy it it was it's it's not something that you can just breeze through. I, I found myself I even like the story is one thing. What, what, what that's just trying to tell you. And then you have, um, but the way Ben illustrates the characters when, when, um, when Darl is texting with her father and, and he, he replies back and, and the, the next panel is just her, like just, clenched fist like silently going just frustrated with the situation and um or even when she's talking to uh she's talking to her neighbor who's moving out and and the uh the conversation they're having and and the she um 
she opens up the cabinet only to have um only to have her only to have um Chucky's mom like uh close the cabinet because she just barely misses whatever the hell that pulsing ball sack is in 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 the cabinet just yeah she's a hypocrite she knows what's going on right and and because she's like she gotta get out of here and and uh and then there's there's charles hanging back in the um behind the scenes because he's shy um but i when i i've lived in i lived in two apartment buildings in yonkers one in mount vernon um one in Wapitress Falls, and and some of them would freak me the fuck. And and like to this day, there there even whether my old house, whether this new place, I'll I'll go into the room and I'll stick my hand in first and turn the light on before I walk into the room. And and that happens in this book. And there are um, it is it is. <laughs> uh, there's nothing in the fucking room. I just that's, left the room. Yeah, sorry. The door. That's fucked up. But then I'm like, but it's just, it's, it's habit. And, um, you know, it is decades later and, and it's still just, just a reflex for me. But I've, I've lived in buildings that have just been, that freaked me the fuck out. And I, I've, I've said this to a few people all my life. I will, I will burn down a block if I see a silverfish anywhere near me. And, and really? of all the insects, really? of all the insects, those freak me the fuck out. The They're most. fast. Oh, no kidding, really? Yeah, they are fast. Yeah. I've seen them crawl out of a goddamn shower drain, and I'm like, I, I cannot. I, I just, I'm no. And that's why I'm with the cave crickets. This, this. <laughs> but, well, I mean, at least they're not, you know, palmetto bugs. But there, there's just. Oh hell no, no. That, that. I sell the house. Right. See a roach here? I sell in the house. I'm done. And I've, I mean, I've. It's such I'm a old. nice way of saying roach, palmetto <laughs> bug. I know. <laughs> it must be from Florida. <laughs> the Astro City, but you have. Um, uh, you know, I've I've been around places that you know you you moved a loaf of bread and all of a sudden the roaches scatter because they hit light and and it's like there's just so I'm I've been around places been around people who live in places that that you know not that anything like this was living downstairs they don't have intestines right? pouring out of their toilets right. but I, but so it 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 this this book kind of hit me on a different I mean visually. As it, it felt like a phantom book. It's there, there's there's things that I, I, you know, yeah, I, I enjoyed the story, and I think that um, that it's it's timely and it's 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 something. I don't want to say everyone because it, it's not going to fit everyone's mood, but there, I, I this is definitely something that I think people should read. Um, well, you can read it solely as a horror book, though. It, it does work on the oh, surfaces. Sure. Yeah, yeah. And you may, you, you may read, you know, you may look at, at Cynthia and just think she's a caricature. You know, there there's, and, and it may just be a little over the top, but even though, yes, there are really people like this. Oh, she got me so mad during the course of this book. And, like, and everything, everything falls into her lap. And poor Darla, and, and not that, you know, Darla, again, isn't, she's not blameless. She brings a lot of it onto herself. But, you know, even the, the landlord's brother, He's like, you know, he's 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 winning at the end of this. Uh, Cynthia, it, it's it's her apartment at the end when, when the news reporter is telling everybody about what went on. You know, the way the, the way now the narrative has been written, history is written by the winners, and and Cynthia comes out ahead, even though she, like Jason pointed out, she wanted absolutely nothing to do 
with this apartment, with this building. And, and it, it, I, I, I definitely felt that, you know, I, I, I wasn't happy with the way some of, some of the characters in the well, story. Well, Darla's kind of not of, beyond reproach either. Thing, right. She, she, she moves into a building with guts pouring out of the, the, the toilet and all these creepy goings on, and yet she stays there. Why? Yes, because it's a trendy right. artist's right. hovel. You got a, a, a rapper living next door. Like, I'm going to stick this out, not because it's a great place to live, but because I'm going to get, I'm going to be legitimized by this place. Right. You yeah, know, and it's. She goes to the, uh, to, to the meeting with, with the clothing. And, and again, and that's, that's, that was so, that, that's such a 90s office with the glass desk. Oh, hell and yeah. it's through, you see everybody's clothes through, through this. I bet I had, and you still have. Uh, it's, it's just, um, I don't. It's it's. But I'm this. glad I'm glad you brought that up, David, about the when she's showing off her fashions, and mm-hmm. she's going into the process. Do you remember the process by which she made her her clothing? The um, she would, she says it was repurposed. Yeah, she would go and buy. Goodwill. Reaper like old vintage clothing. Yep. Cut them up. And collage them together, right? And so she's appropriating. She's doing the the very <laughs> thing that she rails against in this thing. So it's like this is why I'm saying it's a book just full of hypocrites. You know yes. what? You you that's a great point because I don't want people to think like I think that Ezra is making a statement, but I do think he plays fair. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like, oh not, yeah, like. He's not coming. I, I, right. He, She's the not the story. Of the, story. Right, the, the book isn't isn't. Wow, all of you white folk try and fuck us black folk over a lot, right? Like that's no. not like this. That's I not, mean, there the is that, is, but no, no, no. I mean, that is a part of the story, but 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 you just. I just want to say, I think you're writing on like like they, like there are. But he he turns the mirror around on dark. Like he he sure. everybody there. Like you said, everybody has got some hypocrisy. And that's a part of the message. Yeah. So it's it's a very balanced view on on these these cultural problems, issues, mm-hmm. I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, my favorite. Well, I shouldn't say favorite. One of my favorite parts was in the beginning when you have Patrick, the the power tech, and mm-hmm. he's and he's like, God damn, he's looking at the building. And he's he's going off about the the exploitation of the sacred geometry by the insidious reptilian shape shifting overlords, which a topic very near and dear to my heart, by the way. And he's like, "God damn Illuminati! I gotta check this out." And and he's he's um, concerned because the power meter is reg- registering nothing, and that's very very strange. Usually, if someone um, taps into the power lines, something's going to register somewhere, but the power is is nothing. And the fact that Cynthia shit in the toilet, the being, the 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 symbiote was kicked into, um, not life but awareness. It goes right. do- it goes dormant, but it was kicked into awareness because it eats feces. Yep. Right. That's how it stays alive. Keeps the building going. So he goes into this little trap door on the side of the building looking around and he's almost killed he sees something in there his 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 uh partner dennis barely has enough time to pull him out and he is a constant fixture in the book whenever darla goes out or she sees him through the window he follows her almost into he's just trying to get in to to put down 
this alien organism that he thinks is is being perpetuated by the evil reptilian shape-shifting overlords of the Illuminati. And it's just that, I mean, he's a conspiracy theorist, as am I. I mean, I love that stuff. Well said. Yeah. And it's just like, they, I don't think that Ezra had to put that in there, but it was, an, it was nice to see the extreme level of cultural appropriation where, or, or cultural dominance where you get a person in this book that believes we're being manipulated by alien reptiles, which is, you know, it, it, was, it was nice to, to have a little bit of outlandishness in the beginning that set the stage for even more outlandishness to come with this organism that's just made of a, up a bunch of smack. And, and the thing that the origins of this organism, the building was used for animal testing, which is yeah. no bueno to begin with. <laughs> right, right. You know, so it's just, it's a bunch of, of very, very important issues, very creatively congealed into a narrative that it's, it, it, it's very important. I think it's an important book. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, there's this, uh, but it, it's, you take it for face value, but, but there's, it just happened that as I'm reading it, there, there are things that just trigger memories and, and just hit me on, on a completely different level. So, um, yeah, this is definitely a book that, um, that I would recommend, but not just blank recommendation. I, I definitely would need to, um, table it with uh what you might be be into because it may not tickle everyone's fancy yeah and just for the record if i offended anyone by what i said you got to know where my heart's coming from sure no no no. people i I think people get where you're coming from yeah yeah and but if if you think i need um further reading by all means throw some stuff at me i'll i'll do my i'll do my part yeah. So what else do we have? I mean, I got tons and tons and tons of stuff. Tons and tons. Not as much as either of you. Your lists go on for days. Yeah. But yeah. Who wants to go list, next? List for days. Anything, Jason? I'll let Dap go. I mean, Dap's uh he he was sort of the uh the uh the, the quiet man on the on the on this uh this spot feeders until the end there. So All right. we haven't heard enough of his dulcet tones. I, think. Uh, I, I, I have a couple of quick hits. Um, the, uh, again, clearing things out so that I can um, mark them off as, as read and then pay it forward and, and pass them along. So I finally um, read the five issues of dynamites, John wick uh, by Greg pack and, um, Giovanni Valletta and there was a second artist halfway through uh, Matt Guadio and and I believe it was Matt who had pages at New York Comic Con um, maybe not last year wherever they went the first year they had the um, artist alley downstairs when when we last saw Vander there okay. um, yeah it was two years ago yeah because that's when uh, right because 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 there were the pages from the dregs out yeah so um, but it was, it's, it's a, um, it's kind of like a prequel story because it's before, um, John joins up with the, uh, with the, 
it's it's he finds out about the Continental um, through in in this series, and and we kind of touch base a little bit about his 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 past when he was uh, um, about twelve years prior to um, to when we kind of meet him. Uh, actually, he's just working for the Russians as an assassin at that point, or it's not even. He um, this is the the the, the Russians kind of show up at the um, at the end, and so he's uh, not Baba Yaga yet, right? Um, he, although he is, um, thanks for spoiling it, Jason. What? Well, that's in the first movie, bro. Oh, oh, is it? What is you it? You never saw John Wick? Not all of it. I mean, I have it, but oh I have it. Yeah, dude. Like, I haven't seen it right the, to the end. The very beginning of the movie. They, he, they're like, oh, Baba Yaga. He's the, he's the, yep. that was his Russian assassin. That was what he was known as. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah right, uh, right, right, right. Got yeah. it. I thought you meant John the, Wick turns into. Becomes, that was his name. That was John Wick's name. Baba Yaga. No shit. How did I, yeah, that's what they call. Um, so in the first issue, he he saves um, Charon's life. The uh, the gentleman, the concierge at the Continental, um, and uh, but they know oh, each oh, other from the wire. I mean. Yes, yeah, Lance Reddick. Um, they know each other in 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 this first issue, um, but uh, basically to return the favor of of saving his life. Um, he brings him into the uh, into the Continental and and kind of um, explains the rules. Um, and there is a uh, a woman by the name of Maria, who she um, she's impressed with John's talents and um, and wants to um, wants to hire him. wants to, wants him to join and. Um, and this way, because it's basically his talents are a little too good to waste. He, he shouldn't be a freelancer because um, without any allegiance, uh, you know, there's just anybody that gets sent after him, he could take out. And, and so that it's not going to end well for anybody, really, because if he gets taken off the board, then that's that's a waste. And um, and by him just going around killing everybody else that come after him, that's a waste as well. So, um the story is basically a revenge tale because when he was um, when he was younger uh, at West, he um, he was um, he he and in, in, I'm sorry, yeah, at West in, in, in California, um, he would uh, steal from this gang called the Three Billies, and they uh, they were after him. They steal some stuff, runs out, they chase him. He uh, he hits behind a fence. They start. Um, they they uh, they want to stop him from getting away, and all of a sudden, a bazooka gets shot off, destroys this little um, this little neighborhood, and uh, people are dead. And John figures, I need to um, when he's older, he'll exact revenge, and that's what happens. But the person who ends up pulling the trigger on the bazooka who's a little bit deranged. Her name is calamity. And, um, so that's who John has to face. And it's, it's, it's kind of a quick read. Um, I don't know if it needed to be five issues. I, I think the art in most places worked really well. Um, you know, it's not, uh, it's, it's not, you know it's John Wick. You know it. It, it looks enough like Keanu, where yes, it, this is the character it's supposed to be. Um, the, 
but as far as you're not getting a whole lot as far as um, how how the world really works that that John's a part of because it, it really does that by not elaborating on that letting the movies tell that story um, packets to kind of just tell about things that happened right before that point so um, so it works in that regard I um, it's it would make for a pretty neat um maybe short or a featurette on on uh on the disc if if you wanted some more John Wick story but uh to see it acted out but i think um i think what prompted me to try it was a the first issue cover by um Cohen and and Sienkiewicz, but um but yeah because i was i was definitely in the mood for more John Wick after the first movie. And, and I, I'm pretty sure this took forever for all five issues to come out. Um, and yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's, I'm, I'm glad I read it. I dug it enough. Um, and, uh, I think if you're, if it's, it's weird, it's like, like I've, I've, I never read any of the Burly man comics, any of the matrix comics, based on on the movie it's, it's one of those things where i enjoy i enjoy the movie i enjoy that format for that story um i don't necessarily need to read anything beyond i don't need to see it in a different medium um but this i think was was a good enough story pack is pack knows how to tell a story and i don't think um I, I, I don't think he did anybody a disservice with this one. It was it was what it was. It was what I was expecting. Um, I think, although, truth be told, I was expecting a little bit more um, in the way of maybe what we got in the second movie, where, where, where things were explained a little bit more detail. Not that I loved everything about that in the second movie, because um, I think it, they showed a little bit too much of, of the magic for me. But I think the um, the series worked and, and, and did what it was supposed to do. The other um, quick hit that I finally read, um, and this was this was a purchase because Jason and I are fans of um, of his art because uh, Jason owns some of um, Alessandro Michelli's art, The Ballad of Sang, mm-hmm. um, which again it, it's another. Pretty cool story. This is written by um, Ed Brisson. Like I said, art by uh, Alessandro Michelli. It's a story of um, Sang, who um, is a young boy who is, um, I don't want to call him a master assassin because he's a little sloppy, but he has been trained uh, since he was kidnapped, since he was taken from his parents, to be a killer. Um, And he does not speak, and we find out a few issues in why he doesn't speak. Um, but it, it kind of hits the ground running because saying is um, he needs to basically shake down someone who owes uh, the big mafia boss money. Um, and demands a pinky as uh, as atonement. Um, but saying gets a little overzealous and cuts off, his four fingers and, uh, and leaves the guy to bleed and the guy ends up bleeding out. So the mob boss is now upset because not only is he out of money, he's got no way to get repaid because the dude's dead. So, um, mob boss ends up killing Sang's mentor 
and um, and then Sang leaps into action, cuts off the Don's arm, runs away with it. So the Don is not only wants Sang dead, he wants his arm back. Um, and that's when the story really takes off. So Sang is on the run. Um, he ends up um, being looked after by a very handsome woman. I, I swear yeah. to God, I thought I thought it was a drag. I thought Lucy was a drag. Like Kathy Bates style time. handsome, or no, like 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 Kathleen Turner was Chandler's mom, handsome dad, handsome. Um, okay, it's uh, it's it's she, she, she on the homely side, but um, like she also used to be a, a roller derby chick. Um, and there's there's a bunch of gangs that are after. Um, sang like the dandies who think it's like you know the, the 1930s and they're running around with their um but would now be hipster beards and and handlebar mustaches and suits but um it was it's a violent book it's i think um i think alessandro does a good enough job telling the story showing showing the action and 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 moving us from one place to the other um i've read other stories by Ed, and and again, I ain't mad at the work. This one, though, I think just um, for me went on a little too long for what it was what it was trying to do. I didn't, uh, I don't dislike it at all. Um, it's an even story. It's not an it, it's it's not an original. It's not a new story. It's it's definitely a tale that's been told, um, albeit maybe not as profane. Um, and and some of the characters are a little uh, larger than life, but um, especially at the end when Sang and the Don meet in their final face-off, and um, since he didn't get his arm back in time, he had the doctors and the scientists whip something up, and it, it's like now all of a sudden he's like, um, what the hell was the uh, uh, the green spike-headed mutant with the one arm bigger than the other? Oh, Leech? No, 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 no. Kind of Marty? a kid. No, he was from. Um, he's part of. Uh, he's, he's like the next generation of X Men. It'll come uh. to you, but it's 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 um, <laughs> uh, hung out with the, with with, with the, the the guy looked like the gray thing, the big rock slide looking dude. You do know there's a ton of people just screaming the name out right now. Yes, right? yes, like Brian Newberry and 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 Caleb. Um, but there's uh so so yeah, so he's got so, so the Don's arm is now like this big massive uh, almost no. little, Yes, thank you. Um but his his arm morphs almost like he's random for the, the old X Factor villain and, and it's just it's it's the weirdest thing. But um not that there was any like realism throughout the previous issues, but but all of a sudden for, for his arm to just be able to be this metamorpho style thing smacking sang around and and it was just it that that's when that that's when all of a sudden it went from um from the beginning of evil dead 2 where where things are just kind of weird and then all of a sudden you know ash sticks his hand on a chainsaw and but you know that, that's what it's like oh all right so that's that's the kind of story we're telling now but um it was it was weird in 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 a quirky way, and I don't. Um, but again, these are things that I finally got to read, so I can 
I can check them off. Um, nice. Yeah. Digging into the crates over here. Love that. And that is, I that that's it for the quick hits because there are a couple things that I kind of want to get into, and I don't, I didn't see Vince's um, updated list for tonight. Um, you want to do it in your travels on that thing we both read? We definitely can because okay. I think you can. I mean, I I enjoyed it a lot, Me but too. I'm pretty sure you can um, you can go deep on it. But uh, um, well, we could. Yeah, you still haven't read Blade Runner 2019 number one yet, have you? No, no. Ugh! Okay. But eh. we've been well. I don't know how you, all you guys feel, but uh, I feel like I've been remiss in not bringing the work of uh, Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo to the table because we are two issues into Batman Last Night on Earth. Yeah, and I haven't heard nothing about it. Yeah. Well, you're gonna. <laughs> you know, I knew. I wasn't expecting to say anything about. I it. knew he would feel this way about it because it is the spiritual successor to Dark Knight's Metal. That's not why it feels. Like it's, that is not at all why I feel like. Come on, please. You did not like Metal. Yes. But, no, but but my disdain <laughs> nor interest in talking about this has absolutely nothing to do with with anything that the book is about. Right. Okay. All right. Good. Well, allow allow me to well, allow me not, to, allow me to carry on. Sure, by all means. Here's the setup. The bat has been following this weird uh, string of of events for close to a year. Somebody's going out and getting chalk and making a five foot mark at various places in Gotham City. There's, so there's not really a crime, right? There's no victim. There's, there, there's no crime being committed. But there's these, there's these strings of, of chalk being marked at various places in Gotham, right? So Batman being Batman zooms out and connects all of the lines together. And it's, it's a drawing of a very, very dead Batman overlaid on Gotham City with the area where his heart would be, guess, where's the heart of the dead Batman? It's not a stretch. Crime Alley. (laughs) Right? So Bats makes a beeline for Crime Alley and he he sees a young boy on his knees. And it's raining because it's Gotham and it always rains in Gotham. And and the boy has an umbrella, so he can't really get a bead on the boy's face. So he, he goes up to the kid. He's like, son, the kid's dead. And in in a uh, stage of decomposition. But it's there's this mechanical thing going on where the arm is raised and a gun is leveled at Batman. Or, um, and bang, he's shot. He's shot by something. And then a young Bruce Wayne wakes up in Arkham Asylum. And his doctor, who looks a hell of a lot, he has a very striking resemblance to the Joker, tells him he's been out of it for a very long time. And he's fabricated some cockamamie story about being a hero called Batman. And he's got this deadly rogues gallery. And all of the staff at the hospital... Or, or Arkham, sorry, resemble figures from Bruce's very tall tale. 
his physical therapist looks like Bane and his behavioral therapist looks like Harley. And who comes waltzing in but surrogate daddy, Alfred, and he drops a very, very big bomb. Bruce has been incarcerated in Arkham from the day he killed his parents. And like, what? But Batman being Batman, Bruce clings to what he thinks is the truth. He's like, doesn't believe it. He's like, no, 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 no. Didn't happen that way. Uh, I'm Batman. Something's going on here. It's got to be the Scarecrow. Uh, No. And the staff tries to convince him otherwise, and they throw him in a padded cell, and he's he's peeking around in the cell. He's, he's, He's trying to find clues, and there's a rip in the fabric of the padded cell. And what's inside this little rip but a plastic T-Rex and a penny. Oh, that's clever. So he doesn't know what's real. He, he Basically, he's cast adrift on, on these turbulent... Would you say he's set adrift on memory bliss? <laughs> yeah. No, nah, there's nothing blissful about this, buddy. Um, <laughs> so he's, he's, he's on the waters of uncertainty. He doesn't know what's up. It's not a nice place to be. So, so Bruce is like... He confronts Alfred. He's like, so, all right, how do I know all these languages? How do I know how to fight so well? Yeah, I think you're full of shit. And Alfred says, Maybe no. Maybe he gets reincarnated when he dies. No, Alfred says, no, 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 son. That's all a product of you, your extended stay in Arkham, which is now owned by the Wayne Foundation, by the way. So Alfred picks up a straitjacket and shows him. He goes, look, this is your costume. It's a straitjacket with an electroshock, hel- electroshock helmet that when the strap comes under the chin, it peeks out from the top of the helmet like like the cowl he's like you're not a superhero this is your deal you're you're uh, um an inmate in a, in a mental institution so as expected bruce escapes and he's dressed in this this costume that's not a costume and he confronts alfred before he leaves the whole thing was a ruse concocted by alfred to alleviate bruce of like the mental and physical tolls of his war on crime. He wanted to give his surrogate son a chance at real life, which is bullshit again, because the world outside this Arkham is, has gone to total shit. There's speed force storms, tornadoes of speed force. And in the speed force, you could see Barry and Wally and, and Bart, like, interwoven within this and they're screaming help us um and whenever the speed force storm touches you you accelerate or decelerate in time it's not a pretty picture right um so batman he he alfred was using this hologram he's he he's much much older than he appeared to be it was all of elaborate ruse to get bruce to stay within the confines of arkham so so batman breaks out of arkham and he's he's walking and he finds this this thing hanging from a shepherd's hook and it's the joker's head inside of a lantern and they reluctantly form a team batman and noggin and um the, because the joker fills in all the blanks for this strange new world batman doesn't know what the hell's going on right so as they're they're having these adventures or moving from one point to another point we learn that Mogo's dead. He got drained by Brainiac. The Green Lantern battery comes crashing to Earth, scattering rings all over the place. 
the the brain addled survivors are now called slingers because they have green lantern rings, but they don't have the the gray matter to do anything significant with them. The Hall of Justice is destroyed. All of the survivors that didn't get broken by the big bad fled underground to Gemworld. And the reason why they have some kind of solace underground is because Gemworld blocks the signals, the scanning signals of this person that's trying to find them. Uh, Diana leads a group of rebels, and among them Supergirl and Poison Ivy, etc. Um, Everybody in, lives in fear of someone called Omega. We don't know who it is, but the clues are there. He's someone within the Bat family, and he's now in possession of the anti-life equation. There's an, an army of unknown soldiers at... Um, Fort Waller. There's a there's a haunted tank. The the red is at war with the green. You have a, a very confused swamp thing. Uh, a legless scarecrow who has giant metal fingers, and at the end of the fingers there's syringes, and he rides piggyback on Bane. Um, but he can he he has locomotion. He walks on his hands with these fingers and syringes and um there's uh um the plains of solitude it's the remnants of the fortress of solitude because superman is dead he got in a debate with lex luthor and um it was he basically had to do it the clark's friends like you don't want to do this and clark's like i don't want to do this but i got to do this because luthor called me out i got to do it it was a televised debate and um, it didn't end well for for Clark, and I'll, I'll let you read that. But um, Luther's alive, and what he's doing is he's using Ray Palmer's technology to shrink black holes and split them in a, an apocalyptic fire pit to bring back Superman. He wants to reverse time and space and pluck Superman out of the timeline because through his efforts... Superman died. And without Superman, Lex Luthor's nothing. There's, a, there's a, a panel, it's brilliant, that Lex Luthor's telling the story to Batman and he's got tears in his eyes because he was responsible for the death of Superman. And he realizes now that it's not a good thing. Um, there's a trip to the underworld through the Spectre's cloak. It's pretty <laughs> fucking amazing. Um, but... Through the whole thing, Bruce is not Bruce, but he is. He's n he's not Bruce Wayne of the current DCU or the immediate future DCU. See, the the OG Bruce Wayne made a machine that would pop out a Bruce Wayne for every generation, <laughs> and this this pseudo Bruce Wayne that is Bruce Wayne but's not has all of the memories of the previous Waynes, much like Miss Miss McTaggart. Um, because Gotham doesn't have a protector and the Earth, by proxy, doesn't have a protector. So someone's got to beat this Omega character. But he didn't know it at the time, but he just wanted to make sure, he wanted to ensure that Gotham would always have its Dark Knight. So it's been two issues. Greg Capullo is 
a mega boss as usual, mm. but I like where Snyder's going with these things. I know metal wasn't a hit with you two, but I liked it. It wasn't. You, you weren't grooving on it. It's fine. It's right. No, but no. I like the unhinged, why the hell not approach to comic booking that Snyder has adopted. He's throwing all these friggin' concepts in there. And that's my one. The book has one shortcoming. And I don't have it in front of me um, to, to read the actual text. But there's a section in the book where he's on a quest with Diana. And all of these cool scenarios are unraveled through captions, not sequential art. He's like, yeah, we beat the gene dogs in this nasty situation. And then we went over here and there was sentient starships and blah, blah, blah. And he's telling us all about these things over the course of one page and we never get to see it. He just goes through the events in caption and it drives me nuts because I'm thinking that's very cool. I would love to see a couple pages of that. Why didn't you show me that? But... It, the, the whole book's not like that, but there's it's so dense with events that, I mean, we meet the entire Justice League or the ones that have passed in the underworld. And Diana's like, don't look at them, because if you look at them, they're going to they're gonna rope you in. And, and Alfred is in the underworld. So uh, presumably Alfred has died as well, which doesn't sit well with Bruce. But I, I like this unhinged off-kilter kind of storytelling where Snyder's like, that's not too outlandish. I'll throw that in too. Well, why not? You know? it. Everything should be possible within comics. They should be nasty and weird and outlandish ridiculous. And, rid- and ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, you have every opportunity to tell whatever story you want because the only expenditure you're going to have is your time and your pencil and your words. So why the hell not? Go balls out crazy. And that's what Last Night on Earth is. It's just, it's it's very similar to um, Dark Knight's Metal in the fact that it's like, it's a what if type story. Like, what the hell? Let's just do it. Let's get crazy on this. And that's why I love it. And it's not beholden to any kind of continuity. The continuity starts in issue one, and I'm assuming that it's going to end in issue three, the culmination of the series. So I think it's a winner. I, I, I loved it a lot. Um, not in small part because the visuals were perpetrated by Mabu, Mr. Capullo. They, he can do no wrong. It's the, the art's absolutely amazing. He goes from sexy with Poison Ivy and Diana, even though she's scarred and she got a mohawk, she's still damn sexy. And then he goes super disturbing with Scarecrow. And and Bane and all the icky, nasty, nastiness that's going on. And he can be heroic. There's a fleet of supermans, supermen, pouring out of the remnants of the Fortress of Solitude. And it's just a majestic, awesome image. There's a, an image where this android-type superman that's infused with Kryptonian cells, but it's part machine, too, is cradling the body of, of Batman. And it's just an amazing page silhouetted in white it's great so i mean if you've been sleeping on last night on earth check it out because it's it's wacky comics and and even the better for it so there you go i like it a lot yeah cool cool 
You know what I like about Capullo? What? He's just laser focused on taking care of his business. Yeah. Oh, extremely. Yeah, but doesn't it, get caught up in the bullshit and the politics. No, and, but like Scotty, he had an epiphany. There was a lot of years that Capullo wasn't doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Uh, maybe it was Snyder that reached out to him and said, "You got to be doing what you do best, man. You got a gift. You got to do it." Much like Steve Perry on the new solo album. But anyway, I digress. Uh, but <laughs> but I there was a lot of years where we didn't see a whole lot of Capullo. Uh, Haunt was great, but David hates it. But I mean, <laughs> oh boy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't classify that as great. <laughs> I thought it was great, but I mean, it that was that was the oasis. That was the 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 cool drink of water that we, us we Capullo fans got after a long, long, long dry spell. I mean, right? You know, so I, I think Capullo is is where he should be. He's at the peak of um, the food chain at a big two company where that's exactly where you should be because uh, for mainstream artists doing that that corporate owned stuff capullo can't be beat i would love to see capullo uh get to work with somebody else yes well we saw that with reborn and it didn't work out so well well it's pretty clear to me that like the the miller verse it just it works for some it doesn't work for others right Right. Like I love Raphael Albuquerque, but I think his two most disappointing works have been his part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like I thought, Quapel did an, a killer job with Black Order. Agreed. And, and Magic I, Order, or Magic Order rather. Um, yeah, so it's it's hit or miss. Real quickly, speaking of hit or miss, you guys know. I mean, I worship at the altar of Jeff Lemire. Consider him a friend. I I, I think he's objectively one of the best writers in comics, if if not my favorite. But um, you can argue about where he belongs on the the rung, but he certainly belongs in the metal the metal stand. Uh, I gotta say, I'm one and done on the Berserker Unbound. Oh, is it because of? Um... Well, it's it it's it's. I mean, Diodato doesn't do me any favors, but um, it, it just was. It, it's it's just it's this dude called the. It, it, it's it's Conan. It's yeah. it's Conan. Jeff wanting to tell Conan's story without having the right to Conan, and and Conan gets flashed into the 21st century, and hijinks ensue. And and I guess that would be like maybe interesting, except for the fact that like we're getting that same story Savage in Marvel right now. Right now. Like yeah. it's like yeah. literally, and Diodato drew that too. So it's yeah. like we're like we're literally getting that already. So it's very weird. Yeah, I took a look at it. I think the art's fine. Um. It is fine. Again, I'm not a like a Diodato hater. Right. Not my favorite style by any means, but I also don't think he's bad. No, the man definitely has chops. But he's not a draw for me. So likewise. I mean, yeah. if if he comes on a book I'm already reading, I'll be like, "Okay, cool. That's fine." Mm-hmm. But yeah. if if like this, a title that's launched with him at the helm, I need a name like Lemire to pull me in as well. Yeah, but I mean, I thought I thought the the art was 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 good. It was very good, but again, yeah, again, again it's a matter of taste. Like Lemire is obviously again, I, he's one of my favorite writers. He knows how to tell a story. Diodato is totally fine. He's functional. Um, he just drew Savage Avengers, so I know he can draw Conan. I just thought it just didn't feel. Maybe it's maybe it'll feel differently in the second and third issue, and and I'll regret not 
sticking with it. It, it just felt like an inventory story about Conan getting, you know, it just, it just, I don't know. I, I guess it just didn't, they weren't done any favors by the fact that Marvel just brought Conan into the modern world. So. Say lovey. Can't, can't, can't all be, can't bet a thousand, even if you're Jeff. You know what I mean? I do. Good. Um, what else do I have? Oh, um, just another kind of quick hit because it's it's. I know we're all huge fans of the Infinity Eight series. Uh, you guys have been buying the issues. I've been buying the hard covers, um, all written by Louis Trondheim. Sometimes he has a writing partner. Sometimes he doesn't. All drawn so far by a different illustrator. Uh, each volume's got a different art style, which I think is pretty cool because it fits with the idea of the book. We have sung this book's praises incessantly, so I won't bore you all with a rehash of that. But uh, I just read volume four of Infinity Eight. Uh, this volume was called Symbolic Gorilla. Uh, it was drawn by Martin Tristram, T-R-Y-S-T-R-A-M. And um, I, I very much dig Infinity Eight, so I, I, I enjoy the story. But for me... Uh, the least favorite of the four so far for me. Hmm. Uh, I think Troy Storm's art is cool. It's it's it didn't leave the mark on me that uh, that the prior artists have in the first three volumes, and the story um, just was the least engaging for me. Uh, it's it's it, this time it's it's centered around a uh, an agent who has been undercover for five years. Uh, with a very famous gl- galactic music group who also happens to be a bit of a cult. So she goes undercover f- to break into that. Um, she's pulled out from her five years of undercover by the captain, as is always the case with these books, to deal with the fact that they're stuck in this necropolis. And um, the group... The symbolic gorillas end up leaving the ship to go to the necropolis to do their concert and shit goes down as always does in this book. And it goes from there. Just for me, I just didn't really care about the setup this time. I didn't, I didn't care about the the idea of this band or, or why anybody should care about the band. So just, yeah, it just, it was, it was, um, I don't, there's no such thing as a bad Infinity Eight comic, but it, it it definitely is the one that I I I could have done without of the four. So oh, damn it! What I, I didn't read the first issue yet. I mean, it it sounds the similar. First issue? Yeah, the first part, the first oh. part. Oh, okay. Because that just came out, didn't it? Part one. No, no. Do you think you're thinking? No, he's reading five. the. Um... I'm talking about volume four. He's reading the oh. collections, so he's behind. Oh, this. okay. I just read the hardcover. All right, so you're talking, yeah, about the the all right, the previous one with the the, yeah. mu- the music based yeah. one. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, I like that a lot, actually. Of course, okay. I won't be surprised. Yeah, it's in my mm-hmm. it's in my soul. It's in my blood. Cool. Just cool. that that right. one. You probably got more of it than I did. Yeah, the one image with all the guitar necks coming out of the. Yeah, I, yeah, I love oh, I love that. In fact, they all died at 27. It's like, wait, how many times are we going to talk about that? Dude, it's significant. It really is. What kind of cosmic joke is that, that all these legendary performers died at the age of 27? Well, first of all, 
it's as someone who makes their living off of statistics, it's like it's not that they all died at twenty seven. It's that this the twenty seven became a thing, so we started looking for people who died at twenty seven. Like lots and lots of really amazing artists and musicians have died at other ages. We just seem to be focused on the fact that a couple Which is true. Very true, Mr. Crusay. But <laughs> the the fact that they weren't just ordinary musicians. They were legends. Hendrix, <sighs> Cobain. I mean, Amy Winehouse is not a legend. Uh, there's a lot of people that would differ with that opinion. Because of the fact that she died at 27. I, I, she had one album that was excellent. She was a chronic drug user from the day she became famous. Oh, that's not a... Uh, uh, no, no, no. But the, fa- the fact that she died at 27 is what makes it notable. If she overdosed at 26 or 28, like, no one would care. Okay, but look at the rest of the list. Cobain. Again, I'm a huge Kurt Cobain fan. I had tickets to see him in concert 10 days before he committed suicide. And I, I should say I had tickets to see him in concert 10 days after he committed suicide. Gotcha. So I didn't get to see him, obviously. Um, but again, like... Real talk, Nirvana wouldn't be what it is today if he didn't commit suicide. Like I love Nirvana. Like I have. I was yeah, I can't speak time. on that. But but it, but him him killing himself is what made them. You know, I, I don't know. I just I I guess I'm not a. I, my problem with that whole concept is it celebrates death. suicide. I'm yeah. just not a fan of that. Well, death, not suicide, but no. But, oh, you mean specifically the Nirvana aspect of it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's well, fine. Again, like I just said, you were probably, I know you had to step out. I, I said, I, it, there's no such thing as a bad Infinity A comic. Right. But of the four volumes for me, this is the one that left me the, I, this would be like a B. The other three were solid A's for me. Okay. And the fifth volume is in this month's previews. Yeah. Some, yeah, I read it in singles. It's one of the few. I yes. And I found, yeah, and I, I'm glad I, um. Because again, that was another series that I had, and the way they have them marked, is since they're all in threes, they, they have different volumes right on the cover. But I had had a couple of volumes in one box, a couple in another, so I didn't have a complete run. So now I'm going to because I have to go back and I don't have to reread the first series, the first volume, but I want to um, I want to do a run. On, I uh, I think I have that. an issue number two for. You. I think you may as well. Yeah, because you missed the second issue of the first. And yeah, you part. brought it. You we we found it at Heroes. No, you bought it then, for me at Heroes. Right, I gave it to you. Yeah, and then I think. And then I, I got they, it. They may have. I, I may have it though. I, I think I may have. Well, you it check. May have finally, come in my order, but yeah. I got a safety net. I can't wait for October so I get my damn Little Bird number one. Well, unless unless uh, Colin sold it, my boy wouldn't do that. Wait, what this? Here we go. Oh my goodness! He has to be reminded all the time. Yeah. Remember the Hunt Emerson books we got uh, from from. Um, yes. Okay. Well, I took my copy of Little Bird and slid it in the Hunt Emerson books and left them on your table, and you you put them somewhere else. And I'm like, okay, next time we hook up, I got it to get that. And you're like, oh yeah, okay, all right, all right. So you have two books of Hunt Emerson's that are mine and a little bird somewhere. Okay, within, yeah, we'll save somewhere. I just gotta find it. Within the sprawling wood abode. Yeah, it's it's here somewhere. I I, I'm I'm confident that it is. Yeah. All right, right. cool. Yeah. All right. No, I'm saying that that's cool. I, I yeah. I'm sure it's here somewhere. I can't wait for New York. 
Right. I need it. You say that now. When you, when you get to the crowd, you're going to be like, oh. Well, no, no, the weekend. We need yeah. the weekend. I need the weekend. Yeah. Just so right. you all know how much I love you, I... Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> Well, Vince never read that because that was in uh, that was oh, down no, south. I, yeah. Well, t- yes, I read it. Yeah, you oh, changed okay. your you changed your your concert plans. Yes, yes, and that's that's very nice of you. But I would say, um, sad for you because I would have done the same thing. Because for very very few people, the two oh, of you absolutely. the two of you are ones I would do that for. Yeah. No, I was actually only teasing in the sense. Oh, of I know you were. Decision. Yeah. Don't yeah. take. Why do you take me so seriously? You know, I just want to make sure you know it's all it's, good. It's so silly. Nah, but uh, yes, Ch- Chance the Rapper will be on Tuesday after New York Comic Con. What's this thing um, within the thread that someone mentioned the new Tool album, and it, you were like, "Oh, we're gonna have music." Oh, <laughs> and somebody, some somebody said that. Chance is weak sauce. I don't think Chance. Jonathan is weak. Gordon is not a fan of Chance. Oh, I think Chance is great. Oh, me too. I, it hurts my heart because I love Jonathan. It hurts my heart that I mean. But listen, we all can't be perfect, and this is where his. Uh, this is like the he had a little mini brain aneurysm, and he doesn't appreciate Chance. That's fine. It is he, what it is. His he's, wife. He's is, pretty he's, awesome. Otherwise, so he's pretty perfect. I will forgive him that that yeah. transgression. Yeah. Well, it happens. I wonder if he likes. To the best of us. I wonder if he likes Tyler because I think Tyler's great too. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that we've ever talked about Tyler. You like Tyler? Very much. Me too. That first track on the new album is fucking it's phenomenal. Well, you know what I'm excited about from my son. Huh? What? That we are going to finally knock on wood, but it looks like it's going to happen. Sarah Harris is coming. Yay! Yes, yes, yes. big hug. I'm going to squeeze the juices right out of her. Oh, you know what? This reminds me, because this is like talking about uh, production notes during the show, but uh, people dig that shit. Um, We got to, let's get out in front in the next week or two. Let's pick a venue and and get some some momentum on the UC get-together. Because last year we didn't, we didn't throw it together. We thought it was cool and all, but it was it was a little yeah. it was, it was, it was uh, confining. Low key. It was low key. I, yeah, I think Daff has the microphone in his nose. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? You're, you're really loud. Really? Dapp, oh, I'm just. No, not uh, for me. Oh, he's booming. Oh, sounds totally normal to me. It's nice. okay. He's good to hear him booming. Yeah, but we <laughs> so we want to we want to we want to give people a good like six weeks of hype for the get together so that it's there's no. There's no like other plans and no yeah. like oh what's going on so. And again, I don't, know, I don't know about either of you, but I have no plans, no no OA. I'm I'm just gonna wing it as usual. I'd I'd like to get up to the show floor more than in the past. Oof. <laughs> because you know I mean we don't do the show floor as soon as we get there, and I miss out on the vinyls. So if you want to wait, no, uh, we did last year. We did, uh, we did, we did, we did. Oh my God! Here we go. He's going to go down this road now. I knew so it. I knew I've, it. Zap and I have been going to cons with you for over a decade now. Yeah, I implore you to buy vinyl at every fucking yeah. show. But and you're like, nah, son. No, nah. Be- dudes who make the shit. Be- and you there like, wasn't. Yeah, no, there wasn't. The pieces weren't there. There was vinyl that I could have bought and would have, but they didn't speak to me the way those pieces that I'm looking for do. So if Skinner's there, I'm on it. If James Groman is there, 
I'm definitely dropping some coin. But I'm not just going to buy any piece of vinyl just to buy it. Watch it, too. I'm just saying in 10 years you've never found a piece. So why should I assume that we have to make sure we're there pronto puesta on Thursday morning so that you can get this vinyl that's not going to actually be You there. do have a point, but – it's it's like San Diego. There's a limited amount of certain things. I'm going to scan the list. I haven't done this in too much in the past. To mm-hmm. a certain I have, but not much. This year, I'm going deep on the skull brain. I'm going to see what's offered, and right. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure I get something this time. Okay. I mean, listen, we uh, we very much went early last year because we got in line for. Uh, I'm trying to think what that. It was the uh, the thing for your daughter, Mega Man. It was a special, yeah, the Mega Chrome Man, yeah. Mega Man. Yes, and she, she's. It's one of the few things she's taking to school with her. Oh, when, when she that leaves, feels me. though. Stop! Seriously. I can't. I can't. <laughs> it's like less than two weeks away. I can't. Oh, oh my gosh! Wow. Yeah, you guys are going to have to suck me up in a syringe and, and just. I'm not. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm not. Y'all going to give the e hugs to Vince in two weeks, y'all. I, I I said now this and she crushed me the other day. I'm like, don't worry about it. She's like, what should I bring to school? I said, don't worry about it. If you forget something, I'll hop in the car and bring it to you. <laughs> I, I will be there every weekend. And she's like, well, you don't have to be there every weekend. Yeah, <laughs> you can't grab her style like that. You gotta yeah. let her take, I, take flight, bro. I can't. You have to. I know I have to, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> we got. We're not going to get it this year, but we're gonna we're gonna make sure that you got to give her some space, man. We got our brand new laptop. She's kicking an i seven. Um, we got her uh, a new tablet. She's got new art supplies. We got her new clothes. Everything. Uh, we're gonna get a refrigerator. I'm putting a forty five inch TV on the wall. I'll find space God, for it. Damn. I'm gonna hook her up, but. Living that good life over there. Yeah. Well, she's my baby. She's my girl. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. So, hey, um, more comics or should we drive the bus home? Dap and I are going to tag team on something. What you got? You got an in your travels all queued up because I'm going to do the spiel. Um, well, yeah. But before we do, though, let me ask you because I, I thought you read it because I thought you mentioned it to me. So I made sure to read it. But then I don't see it here on your list. Did you not read Island of Dr. Moreau number one? I have it queued up. I haven't read it yet. I, I started it, and I Uh-oh. made I made the mistake of paging through it, and I'm not exaggerating. I looked at the line work for at least an hour. Okay. I think the the, the visuals are mesmerizing, but I didn't get I didn't actually absorb any of the story past the visuals. Okay. So yeah. Yes, and, and for those that don't know, the line work, as Vince alludes, is by Gabriel Rodriguez of Lock and Key fame, which was the draw for me in the book. And you are right. It looks absolutely fantastic. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I very much enjoyed it. I won't get you since you guys are going to read it. Nice. Yes, but I, I thought it was a, it was definitely – visually it was stunning, but it was – yeah, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. I mean I'm very familiar with the source material. So sure. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And the fact that it's only two issues – Makes me love it even more because oh, that's it, great! I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it it's it's it hits fast and it's gone like it should. But Rodriguez is is has ascended to a, a totally new level 
And um, yes, the obvious comparisons to P. Craig Russell are there. His style is very, very reminiscent of P. Craig Russell at this point because he he stylizes everything and it's so ornate and beautiful. Every leaf on every tree is just yeah. beautifully delineated and, and it's sumptuous and it makes me jealous as hell. <laughs> but it also distracts the hell out of me because when you have a, an, an illustrator at this level with this kind of skill – the words are almost irrelevant at the, at this point because it's just it, his his power, the energy from this work just eclipses everything for me. So I, I'm going to have a very hard time reading this in terms of traditional. Oh, here's a word. Let me comprehend what this word means. Oh my God, look at this line work. This mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Like he's so distracting that I mean, working with. Rodriguez is probably an asset and a detriment to a writer because as good as your story is, the guy that's bringing it to visual life, he's going to steal the show if he's, if he's Rodriguez. I'm just, that's just what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he's a force. Yes, indeed. All right. So read the Island of Dr. Moreau. And we'll talk about it very, very soon. Read Blade um, Runner 2019, number one. <laughs> yeah, Dude, seriously, that's it. I'm fucking hooked. Uh, Peter yeah, Kowalski man, on bro. visuals? It is, uh, no, Andre uh, Guinaldo. Yes, okay. Written by Michael Green and Mike Johnson. The art is fantastic, but um, yeah, I just, it's, I'm, I'm back in, in that world. It's, it's, um, but I mean the the original, not not the twenty forty nine world, obviously. But it it's just it's it's not as that. it's not as um as smoggy or or um as sticky as the film looks because it's it's on slick paper. But um but the art isn't exactly you know super clean. I, I think the art is fitting, but it is a um it's there is a bit of a a little bit of a mystery involved, but it's it's definitely if it it feels like it could it it's, it definitely takes place in that world we saw in the first movie. It's not like there, it's not like it's that Total Recall show based on um, which is a ridiculous show. But um, no, I just I, I I I want you to read it so we can talk about it. Okay, and while we're at it, let's pull one out for Rutger Hauer. Yes. Oh, Rucker Howard died? Yeah. Two weeks ago. Last week, yeah. Oh, shit. I missed that. Yep. Yes, you did. He said Damn, The Hitcher. Rest in peace. The, that's the movie he picked. The Hitcher. The yep. Hitcher. <laughs> Jesus. <sighs> oh, I love you so much. Um, so while you're at it, if you are in the mindset to not pay a whole lot of money for your, your comic books, graphic novels, OGNs, and all that kind of stuff – just do yourself a huge favor and go to dcbservice.com and you will reap the rewards of their very, very low pricing scheme, such as Image, Cobra, number one, Michel Fife, a monster, $1.99 for the first issue. From Dark Horse, Count Crowley, reluctant monster hunter, number one of four, very important, you're not in this for the long haul, it's not one piece, is $1.99. And from DC, I think this is a black label book, but I'm not entirely sure. The Last God, number one, written by Philip Kennedy Johnson 
and art by Ricardo Federici. The first issue will cost you $1.99. Do it. DCBService.com. In your travels, Dap and I read something. I don't know about him, but it was by far the best thing I've read all week. Oof. Do you agree, Dap, or no? Um, I read it last week, and... I, I, dude, I swear to God, I read it in one sitting. I could, I just Me started too. flipping through it, yeah. and I couldn't put it down. Well, you would be, you should be very, very happy to know that there is a sequel coming. Which is why I ordered this. Okay. All right. I ordered so, the sequel. I wasn't expecting this to be in the box. Us. All right. We'll talk about it. It is, <laughs> my goodness, it's from Fantagraphics. It is written and drawn by Annie Simon, and it is called The Song of Aglaya. And it is a beautiful, beautiful hardcover, um, black and white, of course, which is nice because it's fanographics, but it's the story of Aglaya. And Aglaya is an Oceanide. And what an Oceanide is, she is basically... A water and nymph. She's a water nymph, but, I mean, I'm going to go back decades to people okay. people my age. If you've ever seen Kukula, Fran, and Ollie, uh-huh. Ollie, she looks a lot like Ollie. She, she's very lizard-like with a long, extended uh, snout. She has long, flowing hair, but she got the boobies and scales. She's a water nymph. She is, like, like, like David said. And her daddy is Poseidon. And and one day, Aglaya is she she's swimming with her her gal pal, and this merman comes up to her, and they kind of hit it off to the point where they do the nasty, and Aglaya becomes pregnant. Never the merman is never seen again. No, he hit it and quit it. The Jerry yes. Lannister. So um, Aglaya goes to daddy and, and she can't hide her pregnancy anymore because her belly's all, all bloated. And he's like, y- you're out of here. You're, you're banished because you're pregnant. You're no, you're no longer welcome here. Get yourself dressed, put some clothes on, get the fuck out. And you know, make sure you wear um, a coat because I don't want you to catch cold. So from this point on, Aglaya has... She she has fostered a hatred of men, because Daddy turned her back on her 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 boy toy, as David said, hit it and quit it, um, and she hitches a ride on a conveyance named Christopher, and and what Christopher is, he is in essence a blue meanie from yep. from the Beatles' Yellow Submarine. This this book, Song of Aglaya, is riddled. With Beatles references, um, like right on the next page, even yes, because um, Christopher takes Aglaya to Mister Kite, Mister Kite's circus. Mister Kite's a cat, and he's trying to teach his friend Henry the horse to do the waltz. You see where this is? Is, is I mean, it encompasses all this this Beatles mythology, but it's not a Beatles story. No. It it just uses these things as a point of reference to pull you in. Um, the uh, 
Mr. Kite and everybody in the kingdom is beholden to von Krantz, a tyrant. And, and von Krantz, um, he's not a nice lizard. He, he uses and abuses people, uh, chews them up and spit them out. But the, the story is basically Aglaya coming to prominence. She murders von Krantz. She assumes the throne. She renames the kingdom Suffragette, Suffragette City. Uh, that's a, a nod to Mr. Bowie. And um, it is it is this very complex character of Aglaya. She has a child, and she totally shuns the, sh- the, the child. She marries Mr. Kite because anyone that's not married in this kingdom, it's not good for them. And while she's married to Mr. Kite, he's a cat, she, she fosters this relationship with this rock-like creature who lives in a hole. Uh, so she steps out on Mr. Kite and doesn't feel bad about it. And Mr. Kite knows about it. Like the, the elephant in the room is very, very visible. Both of them know it's there, but they both, you know, they don't really speak on it. It just, it is what it is. But I thought this graphic novel was magnificent. It's, it's much more complex than I'm letting on. Right, right, Dan. It is, yeah, no, and and every page um, is packed, and and there's um, Simone, who is the who's von Kranz's assistant, and then becomes um, Aglaia's assistant, and there's it, but there's yeah, it, it's I could not, I could believe, like I time just flew and i mean not when i was reading it but just when when i realized i had finished the book i was i just i sat and and i read this and i was able to i was just i was so entranced it it's just it's not i don't want to say it's not it's, it's not super detailed artwork but there's so many lines that simon puts on on the page and and the detail in the characters to 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 bring them to the four, it, it's another one where it kind of bottom feeders felt looks more like a Fantagraphics book than this did to me. It, it it's it still does, but this isn't what I generally think about when I think of a Fantagraphics book. But hmm. um, I don't know really who else would publish it. But um, I think Simon's work to me resembles um, uh, B. Clibben and his cats. If, okay. you're, if you're unfamiliar with Clibben's work, it, it, it has the same airy, uh, very organic line, but um, she, she uses a lot of line work to uh, render um, the passage of light and shadow. Yes. And yes. Um, it's, it's a very comfortable style um, that alternates from very very dense panel work like there's some panels that have some pages that have nine panels and then she'll go and she'll do this open air thing where it's just a character um Mm -hmm. like a storybook type thing where it's maybe three vignettes of a character doing something and it's littered with text and then there's some pages that there's some splash pages and it's it's very very diverse presentation but wow i mean the story there's a uh, jason there's a lot of footnotes like as aglaya is 
restructuring the kingdom, she'll mm-hmm. she'll she'll make a, a manifesto granting women power, and Simon will pull something from the real world, a feminist manifesto or something, um, a legisl- piece of legislation or a, uh, a, a notable quote that focuses on feminism or or something that empowers women and she'll footnote it like so mm-hmm. it's a, it's a work of fiction but because Aglaia is a woman and she's ascended to prominence within this kingdom it's very much a feminine there's a very feminist bent to this yeah. to this story right right yeah i thought it was wonderful absolutely yeah. absolutely yeah and we alluded to it at the beginning of this little in your travels but um the song of Aglaia came out what well, was re- I think it was reprinted this month. This is a previous offering from Fanographics, but there's a sequel coming out called Empress Cetixis, which should be in our boxes next month. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which again, and and so which is why I was because yeah, I think this was listed under the offered again stuff, and when I ordered the sequel, um, so I was quite surprised that um, to see this in. In last month's box, so yeah. um, and karma's at work in this book too, because the child that she has with the the rock monster who can't move from his hole because he's literally bonded to the ground, the child that she has uh, named Boris is an absolute monster. Right. So he's, it, he's a potato-headed monster. Yep. Yeah. And it's it's definitely um, you know kind of like with, with bottom feeders and and people kind of uh, bring things onto themselves. She um she is not uh she's not blameless. So No, no. And and not a very sympathetic character either. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean you you kind of feel bad at first, but uh, and then she gets, you know, of course cast aside and shunned and uh but then you know, she's in, instead of listening to people and, and, and taking advantage of their experiences, because she's she's a stranger in this land, but she thinks, you know, she's going to buck the the system. And, and you know, I'll, I'm going to raise my kid and I don't have to, you know, we don't love each other. I don't have to marry anybody. But um, right. And I feel bad for, for Mr. Kite. Oh, absolutely. One hundred percent. He is. He is. He's he's the uh, he's a very sympathetic character. Yeah. He, he takes her in. He marries her. He's like, you can't. You can't exist in this kingdom without being married. I'll marry you. And and the panel where he offers his hand to her, she has this, there's this glint of, I'm going to guess, love, or at least he managed to pierce that outer shell that she has. And there's he, she's kind of like, aww. But it fades very quickly because she starts abusing him. She She settles into this domestic life, and the child is born, and then as soon as the child is born, she's out looking for rock creatures and holes to to have sex with, you know. So and, and Henry gets saddled with with being babysitter. Yeah, and it's just you know she she just she takes advantage where she can, um, and then as yeah as the story goes on, there's that sense of entitlement and uh, yeah, but yeah, it's it's superb. It's, it's a fantastic look. Yeah, it's, yep. it's absolutely one of the best things I've read recently. Sweet. My heart is pounding because you said that. Kathump. Jason, what you got? What do I got? I uh, I got a little something something, which uh, Vince will appreciate because the title is uh, something that we say to each other on the slacks 
all the time, and that is a book called Good Talk. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, yes. before we recorded, you did. You it's said a good talk, talk yes. all caps. Right. Yeah. Yes. I'm, this is. I can write that when I'm in the car drive. Well, a little That's bit right. peer behind the curtain. Jason, in his ever uh, increasing need to have information delivered to him immediately, <laughs> will ask us a question on the Slack, and if we don't respond within 0.3 microseconds, Jason will go, "Oh, good talk, boys. Good talk. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thanks right. for that." Now we go be good. Yeah. It's a gross mischaracterization of the reality. Oh, I, I really don't think it is. <laughs> Maybe off by a microsecond. Yes, oh, I'm yeah, off by point two. But getting back to the book I want to celebrate, it's called Good Talk. And it's uh, actually Good Talk, a memoir in conversations, uh, written and drawn by Mira Jacob. Uh, Mira is a novelist by trade. She is... Uh, she is of Indian descent, and she got inspired to do this book. When her six, her then six-year-old son Z asked her uh, if um, uh, about Michael Jackson, and then asked her, started asking her questions like, "How brown is too brown? Are white people afraid of us? Things like that." So she started getting very uh, freaked out about, like, how to speak to her child about the realities of the world that they live in and being a person of color especially uh, this is all at the time that Trump was running for election. And so long story short, she, even though she was a prose novelist by trade, she couldn't figure out a way to articulate all of these things that were going on uh, through words. So she decided to do it through pictures and words. And that was, uh, gave birth to this book. Good talk. Um, it, it, it was awesome. And, and, it, and it's very much its own thing, meaning that uh, I, it was solicited in previews. I bought it, through previews, it's very much a graphic novel, but it is not a comic-y book. It, if, you, if you're if you familiar with the book or you've seen previews of it, it's essentially um, the, the illustration, if you will, are cutouts of the different people in the book. So herself, her husband, her son, her mother, things like that. She basically created and drew a cutout of each of them, and she puts them in each page as needed, almost like color forms. And then the background is either a drawn thing or uh, like an actual photo or a newspaper article or something more realistic that uh, sets the tone. So it's, 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 it's almost like, uh, like finger puppets or something or not finger puppets. Like what, what are those? I I can't think of the name, but uh, back in the day, like our, our, like women would, it was like paper cutouts and they would like put like paper uh, dolls. Dress up. Yeah. Yeah. Dress up dolls. So it's kind of like it's basically it's so it's it's these are still images. So for example, her anytime she's talking in the book, it's the same cutout of her uh, on the page. So that you know, so full disclosure, if th- that may not be a, your cup of tea, but really the book is about these conversations that she has, and uh, so and it's it's a, it it ends up being essentially a real life memoir of Mira and her family. She is, as I said, uh, in, she's of Indian descent, and it gets into like her childhood and growing up in America. And it was pretty funny in the sense that like you learn things. I didn't know, I guess she's fairly dark skinned and I didn't know until reading this book that uh, being dark skinned in Indian culture is considered being ugly. Like it's synonymous. And so when she was growing up, like her parents would blatantly say like, well, we can't really arrange a marriage for you with like anyone that great. Cause you're so dark. 
Like, like it was just like the way it was. Like that's just that, like they're they're basically super super conscious about dark skin in oh, India. Shit. Yeah, didn't know that, right? So she ends up marrying a, a Jewish dude, and he's very like woke. And at one point, uh, their son Z asks her, uh, "Is Daddy ever been afraid of us because we're brown?" Like that kind of thing. So and and you know, again, full disclosure, uh, this book is definitely of a political bent. It is highly progressive and does take the premise that we are in an extremely racially charged environment right now in no small part because of Trump being elected. So I say this because I know there are listeners out there who lean on that other side and you do you. But I'm just saying, like, this is not a book for you to pick up. You will not enjoy it. It, This is this is unlike the Ezra Clayton Daniels Passmore book that tries to be fair to all sides. This book is very much taking a stance. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I really enjoyed it. It's, 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 it's just funny. It's really funny. I mean, uh, because she's self-deprecating and she encapsulates conversations with her girlfriends and with her husband and her parents that it just, it's just a, uh, while I can't directly identify with being, a an, uh, an Indian woman, like you can identify with this book no matter what you are, because it, it, in, in many ways is just takes a look at the ridiculousness of familiar relationships and the way that your parents will often just say like the most honest, but like horrifying shit to you. <laughs> like, and it's not necessarily wrong, but you're just like, really? Um, or like, you know, how generations just look at the world completely differently. Um, so it's, it's, it's part political satire, um, but torn, but told in, in, from the vein of like, she lived this life. Like she had these actual conversations with, her son and her friends and everything during this period of time. So uh, I've really enjoyed it. And I think it's just incredibly of its moment. It's just incredibly poignant and pertinent to the time we're living in. So if, uh, if you are open to understanding other people's viewpoints, then this book is for you. So again, it's called good talk, a memoir and conversations by Mira Jacob. It sounds like something I want to read. Yes, definitely. I just I wanted to bring up because I, I thought you might be put off by the artistic thing, though, like in the sense that it's just a still image of her throughout the book or, or her son, like it's the same image over and over again. I know you yeah, don't like that. I know you don't well, like that image. So. In an indie book, I think he might be more. Excited. I'm talking to him like he's not here. I think Vince is more open to that in 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 that sort of creative endeavor than if um than than if uh, just um. Ariel Olivetti is going to keep using the same image for cable sure. for six pages straight. Yeah. It, it depends on the forum. I'll allow it. Listen to me. Like if I have some kind of, <laughs> uh, I'll allow it. Um, I'll, I'll be okay with it. If it's in a forum that's not mainstream, there's no reason for that in a mainstream book because number one, you guys are getting paid and you have an audience, Right. So do the damn work. But in this instance, if it's, if it's a repeated image, even altered slightly, my approach to this is if the visuals are hampering the deliverance of the message, then it's better that the message was delivered with limited visuals than if not delivered at all. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, you, right. Yeah, it's just, it's, it, it's, it just has a ton of heart, like, right? And and I think yeah. that the, the the message here is so strong, where a kaleidoscopic array of visuals would only have hampered the message anyway, 
right? Yeah. It's a very yeah. clear, straightforward delivery. I think the, the, the visuals should be very clear and straightforward as well. So, yeah, no foul. And as if I had any say in the damn thing. But, I mean, just speaking on personal preference, if, if the message is that strong, it's okay that the visuals aren't yeah, very okay. diverse. Yeah. There's this, like, I'll just give you an example. Like, there's a, there's, there's, it's her and her son, and she had just got done telling him, like, you know, you should, like, of course daddy's not, like, scared of you because you're brown. Like, you should talk to him about it. You know, like, speak to him directly. And the son's like, I'm not asking daddy about it. Why not? Because I don't want to hurt his feelings. But it won't hurt his feelings. He'll feel left out. No, he won't. Because we are brown and he's not, and it'll make him sad. Oh. And then she's like, you know what, though? I don't really don't think it'll bother him. And then son goes, knock, knock. So she's, like, trying to have this conversation. The kid's, like, not having it, right? So she's like, I'm, he's like, knock, knock. She's like, listen, tell him how you feel. Because He's like, knock, knock. She's like, but we're a family. And he's like, knock, knock. She's like, okay, who's there? Canoe. Canoe who? Can you stop talking about this? <laughs> but, you know, it's like, it's just very, like, real, you know? Like, I mean, what, like, you can just see that what it would be like to have as a parent, right? When you, like, it's hard to have conversations, serious conversations with a kid that age. Yeah, I see what you're talking about. The, oh, the, the visuals? Yeah. Yeah, the, the characters are, are repeated uh, well, it's images. quite literally that. Like she, yeah. she drew herself once, and she uses that image in the entire book. Right, and the backgrounds change. Correct. Yeah. Which and a lot of the backgrounds are photos. Sometimes I mean they're yeah. not all photos, but a lot of them are. Yeah. Not not a particularly distressing approach. I mean, it could be used to really good effect. And I'm looking at this, and it, it looks like it is right. Yeah, I thought it worked for me. You know, again, I just want to throw it out to people. It's not like this isn't one of those books where you're going to like flip out over the, the visuals and say, holy shit, this is a visual tour de force. Yeah. This is much more about the the visuals just are there to serve the message. Yeah, it's not 1941, but... No. Which was a visual tour de force. Yeah. This is pretty yeah. damn... This is pretty damn cool. Yeah, I dug it. I mean, it's not from No Brow, so I don't know if I was allowed to talk about it. But. Oh, no hashtag on this one. Surprised you didn't. That's probably, yeah, if it was No Brow, I would have gone really into detail. Next week, I got another one. Big side. I like to bust your balls. If, if right. I don't do it, who's gonna? Right. Yep. And uh, yeah, 368 pages. See, I'm reading say, this thing. If you, if you look at a picture of what Mirror actually looks like, she's beautiful. Jesus. She is. A gorgeous woman. Yeah. I, I like the looks of this. We'll be yes. able to look at, we'll afford New York events. Yeah. Nice. All right, everybody. Hey, what's yes, good talk. Good talk, Jason. <laughs> Thank you for being here with us once again. We implore you, if you enjoyed this in any way, check us out on the other avenues to get to the home base of EOC. We're on the Facebooks. We're on the Twitter, the Reddit, the Instagram. We are everywhere. Are we on LinkedIn? I mean, I am. Yes. But... Yes, yes, we are. Oh, we're on that too. I keep getting I updates. Though, like so. I, I never, ever, ever check my LinkedIn. Nope, me neither. Yeah. Um, so if you enjoyed all that, we're elsewhere. And we would love it if you would join us. On the Facebooks especially, it's it's popping. The the Reddit has a bunch of subreddits, are they called? Yes. That, that you know. Well, the, we're a, the, the, the community is a subreddit. And the messages are sub-subreddits? No, they're just mess. They're just, they're just, they're just posts. Oh, posts so we we got a subreddit, and there's lots of stuff going on there. Thanks to Dappity Do. So join us. The more, the merrier. We love to have you. In the meantime, say good night. 
pregnant pause. Oh, she called it a glia pause. <laughs> See, am I not witty? I think I am. <sighs> David. Oh. Night. Hmm? Pregnant it's pause. You said pregnant pause. Yeah, it's around there. <laughs> witty you were. This, that, the other, David. Oh, I don't know. I think that was a little stretched. Oh, I thought it was too quick. You think? Yeah. Wow. I think he was like, that was like a dude getting some snickety snack <laughs> after being in prison for 20 years. It was quick, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to be in prison for 20 years. It's be quick. There's nothing more uncomfortable than a guy our age talking about their dick. And how it works. Uh. <laughs> we we had a graduation party this weekend, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of... Thanks for <laughs> You know, I knew you were going to say that. I, I absolutely knew it. I said, I said to my wife, I said, Jason's going to say, oh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for the invite. <laughs> but there's a reason why I didn't. But anyway. Um, so I have cousins that are 10 years my senior. And every single one of them Talk about the fact that their dick don't work the way it used Wait, to. What? Yes. They're like, oh, yeah, doesn't work like it used to. Or wish I could get a little bit of lead in the pencil. And they go off what? on the fact that their dick don't work. And I, it's God, very God. uncomfortable. It really is. That, because I don't know about them, but I ain't got no problem. Got no problem. Hell no. Hell no. Right? Raised right. Wood. But uh, we were talking about sausage and peppers because we got sausage and peppers we had it catered for the the party. Oh, now, and, I, now really thanks to you, I'm like, damn, sausage. Yeah, and, and my cousin was like, yeah, my sausage doesn't have too much spring in it. I'm like, stop, Jeez. please. It's not right. These are like want... gentlemen in their 60s? Yes, yes. So that's what we have to look forward to? I don't know, not me. Because oh, because I, I keep that thing in working order. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Train it up. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Whether alone or in company, it's getting used. I don't care. Uncomfortable, I know, Seriously. but yeah, we're just going to back out slowly. Thank you for being here. <laughs> <laughs> we will be back next week or maybe sooner. I don't know how the schedule is going to pan out, but maybe within less than seven days, you'll hear another one of these things and it will be glorious, we hope. And so glorious. it could only be glorious if you're here with us. So come back. Say good night, gentlemen. Lady Say good night, gentlemen. The book of the month will be posted. The uh, nominees will be posted this weekend. Oh, word. Excellent. <laughs>